Good evening and welcome to Reexamined with Megan Walsh. I am Megan's co-host Gino and we are glad you have joined us. Sorry for the delay tonight folks. We had some technical difficulties but we're here. We're ready to go. Megan how are you tonight? You're muted. <laughs> Don't you hate technology? Every show you know it's here we go guys it's starting out right. Um, I'm great. How about you Gino? Doing good. Doing good. Thank you for asking. Got a good show. This is episode four already. Can you believe it? I, I actually can't. I was, you know, somebody know. was talking to me, asking me about it today. And I was like, well, we're actually on episode four. So we're cranking along, you know, we're new, we're getting everywhere. And now everyone can see us on every platform, Spotify, our iHeart, Apple, the universe. I mean, are we on the moon yet? I don't know. So but everyone <laughs> can find us now. So yeah. it's really fun. Has anybody gone to the moon yet? I don't know. <laughs> everything's everything's a conspiracy, Megan. I think so far it's hearsay at this point, right? Everything's <laughs> Maybe we'll have to do a show about landing on the moon or not landing on the moon. There's, or flat I, earth or I, no flat earth. I try to stay my lane, Gino. Yeah, I, I hear you. I hear you. There's only so much we can take on. Yeah. <laughs> so anyway, tonight, good show. We're going to go through some more evidence. Uh, we've got a couple of videos. We're going to review the finders uh, club cult, whatever you want to call them. That's kind of a disturbing cult. thing with the CIA. Yeah. And uh, how it ties in with the Adam Walsh case, at least we think it does. Uh, we're also going to review some more videos and we have some documents we're going to read over. But let's get into it. Let's start. I'm going to start with a video, Megan. We're going to start with, um, I, I want yeah. you to listen to what your father says at the end of this. I, th I think it's at the end. I I'll bring it up after we watch the video. Police say six-year-old Adam Walsh is missing a front tooth. He was last seen wearing a beige canvas hat at the Hollywood Mall. Tonight, members of the Citizens Crime Watch of Hollywood continue to search for young Adam. At one point, a spokesman said 200 people had joined the search. Hollywood police detectives tracked down leads and helped groups outscouring the area. Adam's father, John Walsh, says if the youth was abducted, he was going to negotiate with those involved. It has been my decision, totally on my own, that I would offer a substantial reward for information uh, resulting in the safe uh, depositing of Adam or return of Adam, and that I would negotiate with the abductors in whatever way they want me to, whatever terms, if they want to leave Adam and still negotiate with me or negotiate with me and then leave. I, I don't know the formula. It's my decision. You're not going to give up hope. I, I can't give up hope. Members of a group driving four-wheel drive vehicles gathered across the street from the police department. They plan to search hard to reach areas. Hollywood police say anyone with information about the missing youth can call tonight at 921-3911. Again, that number is 921-3911. Mel Taylor, News Watch 10. So, I think we've watched that video in the past, but... He said, safe depositing or return of Adam with the abductors, plural. Mm -hmm. I thought yeah. that was kind of odd that he would assume it was more than one person. Because it seems to me in all the other things we watched, they were usually referring to one person. At least the, the interviews yeah. I've seen. Yeah, my, uh, myself as well. I agree with you. From what I've seen, it's always been a singular person or 
you know, I mean, we know that James Campbell actually to, to go where we left off last time did actually in one of his affidavits say that he wouldn't even be surprised if, uh, if Adam ran away due to the, you know, the situation going on and the circumstances. So, <clears throat> but I've never heard uh, multiple abductors. So that's, uh, that was an interesting catch as well as again, this excuse me, this reiteration of, you know, we're willing to sacrifice ourselves and the use of the word sacrifice and, you know, the body language included in it and, you know, things like that are just interesting to pay attention to, right? Right, exactly. Uh, Jackie011 said he may have said abductors by mistake. That's my feeling on it. I don't know. Look, I mean, again, I have to consider that if, if this is legitimate, like they've said it has been for 40 plus years, then there's the element of trauma there too. So you're going to say things, you're going to, you're nervous, you're in front of the media, you know, all that stuff. So I, I get it. Like there could be a slip of the tongue just by nerves or, or being fearful of something. So I'm, I'm okay with it. But I just thought it was weird because I had seen prior interviews. I believe that one was maybe within a, within a week or so, or a week and a half, I believe. And the other ones were always an abductor or somebody. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and I think it's definitely fair to give that leeway and grace, of course. But again, on here, that's what we're here to do. We're observing and we're asking questions and we're just, you know, we're not investigators. We're not the police. So we're, uh, we're looking at it and we're going to all see what we think. And tonight is a lot of different stuff that the police were given and things too. And a, a couple of different areas we're going into. So just expect that going into tonight, I guess maybe we should have prefaced a little bit. So, right. yeah, I think that, you know, it's just, again, another clip to observe. And we're looking, when we look at these clips, again, we're looking at body language, we're listening to what they're saying. I mean, that's what, you know, uh, and then, you know, any police would do. That's what a, somebody from the outside would look at. So that's really what we're kind of focusing on here, as well as, you know, questioning, you know, or seeing what we need to question from it. So, absolutely, you know, that's a good clip I am, I am Beanpole over there in Foxhole said, what does safe deposit mean? That means uh, they could drop Adam off anywhere in a, in a place where they could come and find him. Yeah, at first. Well, it, yeah. Is, it is interesting because, and I have to say, like, I guess I should give credit where credit is due. I, I try to, but the the people have to understand that, you know, when you're you're a local, right? If, if you're a local in an area, you maybe, maybe hear different things than, what the news puts out or maybe you know the local scoop or different things like that but for the last 41 two years it has been that the original rumor was excuse me we have a train going by right now <laughs> um but uh we, the the original thing down in the rumor mill and in the local area was that um you know my father owed money um, that he was involved in stuff, you know, through his boss and, you know, doing cocaine and things and that he owed money for some reason, some sort, and he refused to pay that. And uh, so a hit was put out on Adam. And that's the local rumor that many people swear by. Um, and so I think it is interesting here when we when he sees like, you know, safe drop or whatever he was saying and um, Dropbox or whatever and uh, and kind of negotiating this thing. I, I think that that's interesting just to to put in there. Yeah, for well. sure. Yeah, Absolutely. That, yeah. And I mean, the safe deposit thing, that's that's kind of a common thing when there's like uh, these situations, abductions, 
Yeah, they'll, like they'll pick a spot nice and, because they're hopeful yeah. that you know whoever exactly. it is will return the child you know i mean yeah. there's these obvious right. things i mean we're not negating any of that i think that's first and foremost so we're talking about the stuff that maybe other people wouldn't bring up or question so. and sometimes that's also so there'd be uh, no apprehension of the abductor you know something like that they might let him go and i know your dad mentioned that a bunch of times he says hey we're not looking to prosecute we just want our son back or sometimes the boy back um so mm -hmm. <laughs> sorry just mm -hmm. want to there's that get, yeah that, gotta, boy. <laughs> that boy drives me nuts yeah kind of odd all right well me and megan were looking through some documents today and we found a couple really weird letters that were in the adam files and megan i gotta say i remember when i read them i was just like what are these it's they're anonymous sources. There's no signatures or anything on them. So obviously they were sent to the police. The police put them in the, read them, put them in the file and this kind of forgot about them. But we were strolling through some, some documents and found these two. And it's very weird. Now this first well, one, I want to say, I wanna say yeah, before ahead. you pull it up, Gino, is that, you know, there's, of course, you know, we know that a lot of people called into the Hollywood Police Department. We know, of course, you know, once it got national, people are going to report or they're going to do that. So I guess we'll preface with that um, before we go into it in question. But, you know, we've scrolled through a lot, like you were saying, we scroll scrolled through a lot of what was there. And most of it, you could, you know, you could tell that, you know, we kind of skimmed right over it after reading it because it was obviously just a dead end or somebody just calling in or whatnot. But there were these few that really were eerie and did stick out to us um, and kind of stopped us uh, in our gut um, and to look at. So that's that's how we pulled those out. But I do want to, again, preface that, of course, people were calling in. Um, actually, what was what was said by witnesses that called in was that they were calling in and, um, you know, if they had an account of that day that did not fit the mainstream narrative that was already put out, because again, Adam was taken in like overnight, you know, my parents are going to trips to Tampa and Orlando, as we'll see later. And, you know, on Good Morning America, you know, the following week and a half later, you know, and already scheduled and, you know, all that kind of stuff. So, you know, this was this, this, you know, was in, is interesting to look at and i think with all of it we could we can go from there after we look at it maybe i should stop yeah. there look and okay. as, as we're reading it i guess the idea is we want the audience participation on this like what do you think this means because it can be taken multiple ways me and megan have our own ideas on what it says um it's a little confusing again it's anonymous so you know it, i don't think it would ever be permissible in court it's just hearsay at this point but it, we found it very interesting yeah. So oh, and I was saying that if anyone yeah, called ahead. and had a different narrative or a different take of that day than what was already put out, then that they were being turned away by the Hollywood police and that they were ignored. So that's kind of also works into this and how we sifted through it. Right. So Charlie Reese is the uh, he was he's actually was a syndicated writer for the Sentinel there in Orlando. And I think he retired. I think I looked it up. He was like 2002. So he was like yeah. like mid 80s to like 2002. And this letter was written and he submitted it, I guess, to the police. Originally, it was written to um, Detective Sam Martin or John, uh, is that Keeson? I think that's what it says. And it says, I hope this helps your business, which is kind of odd. Uh, it says, I met this guy in an Alcala bar who said he knew someone that I would, that would pay 10 grand for a young boy. This guy had lost his kid and his wife was going nuts. 
We took the deal. He paid cash. I went to Chicago, and my friend stayed put. I get back and find this kid was killed. I know his name was Adam, and he was from the islands. He got him in Hollywood. I don't know this man's name. He don't know mine. He has big beard. He, he, I think he meant he has a big beard. And don't wear any shoes on his feet. He is crazy as hell. So <laughs> there's there's many things that stick out here, Megan. What do you want to point out first? Uh, the whole thing is bizarre. <laughs> um, Very. But also... You know, these seem to be the realm that we're dealing with. You know, I will say we have letters that we'll get into once we start covering Otis Tool that are absolutely heinous and, you know, saying crazy things, too. And that was all believed and taken as, you know, truth. So how can we not take this one, right? If these detectives have closed his case on Otis with the, the uh, evidence that they did and the work that they did, then, uh, you know, we're okay here, I guess. So um, I think we're actually maybe doing a better job. But to answer your question, I mean, a couple things stick out for me. Ocala Bar, I mean, Ocala is an area in Florida. Obviously, it's a little west uh, towards the, the middle of the state uh, from about the Tampa area. And uh, it's really known for like horse country and stuff, which we know my family is very much into horses. I would go with my mom all the time to buy and trade horses. Uh, that's a whole other show. But um, Ocala is, is definitely not a, an undoable thing right, or an unrealistic thing. Um, and I think it's interesting. I met a guy in Ocala. <laughs> so this person is writing saying that he met the person O'Callan and, and that this person writing it was actually the person that took the deal and took the money the ten thousand dollars uh to get a child for this person <clears throat> who's willing to pay cash ten grand um and it says this guy had lost his kid and his wife was going nuts okay so it's a guy who already has lost a child from so far right we took the deal he paid cash. I went to Chicago. My friend stayed there. I get back and find this kid was killed. Okay, so are they referring, is he then referring to the child that he got for this person? Or is he saying that he found out that the child that the guy lost had been killed before? Um, and But then it says, I know his name was Adam and he was from the islands so we know that the islands that my dad was going back and forth to the bahamas we have pictures of adam in the bahamas i was hit out in the hit out you know because of this uh you know so-called alleged hit by nambla i don't know why nambla would ever put a hit on my life i'm not a boy i'm you know my dad was just new whatever so uh, I was taken and hit out for the first year of my life and a little bit after in the Bahamas or in the islands. I don't know if I was actually on, you know, where I was told I was. Um, and so it says from the island. So it's not unrealistic is what I'm saying. I'm not saying it is, but it's not unrealistic. We got him in Hollywood. So there's somebody saying in Ocala and Adam was in Hollywood. Um but then that it says we got him, you know, and he was from the islands. We got him in Hollywood. So that's something to, you know, 
look at or wrestle with, I guess. I don't know this man's name. He don't know mine. Okay, that would make sense. He's a bit, he has a big beard and he don't wear shoes on his feet. So I'm wondering, you know, who's not wearing shoes around? If we knew that, that might be an easy way to solve it. (laughs) You know, who's a guy with a beard that doesn't wear shoes? That's pretty, you know, you know that guy if if you're local. Uh, And he's crazy as hell. So we don't know who that is, but I will say if we look at the players that we do know within, you know, the case that we have looked at James Campbell, we've been able to find one photograph of him and he was a crazy guy. We find out with, you know, on with that was into motorcycles and everything, despite the other stuff about him, you know, being a beach guy and stuff. My dad's also into motorcycles and beach guys. It's very bizarre when we, and he has sort of a beard. I mean, not a big beard, but he has a beard. He looks pretty clothed there, but we can't see his feet, I guess, Gino. So who knows? Uh, (laughs) And then there it is again. I was Adam's father, he says first, his brother, his uncle, his best friend. So so there is already a a lot of speculation. you know, what was James's relationship to Adam? You know, why was he this, that? Why was he so important? Why was he the houseboy at a young age? Um, my cat got under the desk and is clawing. Sorry, guys. I hope she doesn't go on the wall or something crazy. Who knows? Um, and so, you know, we see, we see these different things where it is questionable. I know many people ask me, you know, knowing that someone has now come out, I'm about to drop a bond, it's random, but knowing that someone's come out saying that they are Adam and alive, many people are like, well, why don't you do DNA, you know, all of that? Well, you know, we tried, that's a whole other thing we'll get into sometime, but the fact of what I'm getting, why I'm bringing this up is like, and I would never say this, but so many people have said this, you know, was he your brother? Are you guys even siblings? You know, are those even your parents? You know, all that kind of stuff. So there is that, um, you know, to, to wrestle with, but you know, there's these questions is my point. And we don't know, none of us were there. And here it is saying that there was a guy that already lost his kid, but then he's saying the kid that we got for the $10,000 was Adam. We picked him up in Hollywood. He was from the islands. So, you know, that, that isn't far off. I will say, you know, they did get him in Miami or whoever got them or got him, excuse me, and he did spend a lot of time back and forth in the Bahamas and in the islands. So um, very interesting. And I wonder, and, you know, again, lost his child and his wife was going crazy. That is actually very accurate. about that. <laughs> We know that for sure. All right. So there's another letter I want to get into. This was, this is the same guy. This is Charlie Reese. He was that syndicated reporter for the Orlando Sentinel. It says, dear Charlie, You did a wonderful job reporting to Walsh's case, but in no way do I agree with you or feel sorry for that slut Mrs. Walsh. She should be driven out of town. I feel for the child. He was murdered by his mother's thoughtlessness. She left him on the other side of the store while she looked at lamps. The child should have been at her side, not left alone. She deserves all the hell she is going through and a lot more. The blame should not be put on the mall, Sears, other children, security police, or the FBI. The blame falls on the mother for leaving the child alone. The, I don't know, what what does that say? I think it's Oh, okay. (laughs) I spelled it wrong. Yeah, okay. The article you have, yeah, Walsh is determined to help their children. Well, the only way she can help other children is not to be able to have another child or have contact with others to be charged with the crime. I would not let a dog unattended, 
no less a child. Charlie, give this letter a little thought. And if you don't agree with some of my views, I hope you never have to go through the same with your child and you deserve a wife with Mrs. <laughs> a wife like Mrs. Walsh. So, and then it says a friend of yours, since you started for the fish wrapper, must have been a, I guess a food place or something. Yeah. 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 So this must have been submitted to the paper and then he turns it over to the police. Um, but interesting that I don't know who this person is, but they call Reve a slut, right? So it says, feel sorry for that slut, Mrs. Walsh. Now, why would you choose that word, Megan? And if you're just a reader, if you're just an observer reading the paper one day and you're, you're following Charlie's uh, articles and all his opinion pieces he's got, what would make a writer call in and call her a slut and not just like, why, you know, why, like calling her something else. Like, why did she leave him alone? Why is she such a horrible mother for leaving her child alone in store? Instead, they go right to slut. I mean, I don't know. That's a point. That's I mean, a did point. they know? Did they know something? I don't know. I think that's a good question. They seem to know a lot of information or who that guy is, I guess, especially. Mm -hmm. But, um, you know, and, and it is hard. Again, we'll preface that we understand the, the time of that day. You know, people will say, oh, back then people would leave their children and it was that time. You didn't worry, you know, all that kind of stuff. And that's fine. But I think that and, and we've accepted that. That's that's OK, too. Um, myself being a mother, I. I wouldn't. But again, now my point here is that we also see someone of that time. This was in 81. This letter was written. And, you know, they're pointing out the fact that the child should not be left alone. So, again, we've been given a lot of scripts. We've been given a lot of lines to be able to sleep at night or not question things or whatnot. Like, oh, everyone left their child. So this, you know, overlook this. But then again when we look into deeper what's going on when we see james campbell when we talk to other people when we see the the discrepancies and then we find that reve and john and and their live you know my mother's live-in lover to be accurate from what we know um it's debatable to me but anyways we know that they were you know using drugs they were using cocaine consistently they were you know, doing everything under that, you know, marijuana, drinking, you know, whatever else. They had a very, uh, you know, luxurious, a flashy lifestyle, if you will. You know, I, that's when I started speaking to John Monahan, my father's boss, his son, and, and other people that, you know, were, were children and were there and different things and kind of described to me how the atmosphere was. And when we look at history, we know how it was. I mean, the Diplomat Hotel has a history in itself and especially around that time. So we have to look at what the environment was and, uh, you know, the fact that my mom, you know, what their lifestyle was. It's also, again, we'll, we'll remind the audience why they closed the Sears case, which we'll get into in a little bit and fought to keep that closed. They have fought to cover a lot of stuff for 40 years, including retaliating against people through CPS. So I think why he might have gone to slut, though, I, I hate even saying the word, but, the, you know, that was your original question. Um, you know, I think that the lifestyle was very loose. I don't think that it was a secret that uh, James and my mother were sleeping together. I don't believe that my father found out, you know, during Adam's case uh, we also know from police reports that my father was sleeping with, quote unquote, anything with legs, which doesn't necessarily even, you know, define a sex, if you ask me. Mm -hmm. So 
I will say that looking at just, I'm, you know, just picking it apart. Um, but you know, we have these issues going on and if somebody does know, you know, my parents were known because they were under John Monahan, who they, John Monahan and his wife were like the celebrity couple, you know, they, the executives at the diplomat, you wanted to know them. They were very flashy. They had an estate down there in Hollywood. People lived at the estate. My parents lived at the estate for a while, which I do believe that John Monahan groomed my father. I believe that my father went as a cabana boy. My mom was the wife. Um, I believe that they met his boss, uh, you know, uh, uh, shoot, his first name is leaving me, but last name Bracken, and then his wife, Carmen Bracken. And I do believe they were older, and I do believe that they started grooming my parents, you know, into the lifestyle, or at least, you know, making it more okay and, you know, getting them into it, if you will. And then that's when he, you know, is is promoted and, you know, knows John Monahan now. And then they're living with John Monahan on his private property, which we also see James living there at one point off and on. And I've been there, you know, it was always people, you know, I don't think people are understanding like the environment of these people. I would be at John Monahan's house when I was little. I knew John Monahan when I was little and he would have these big pig roasts and, you know, all these people everywhere and huge high end parties, but it was people in and out of the house all the time. And from what we've been told, that was also not to that elaborate extent, but that's also what was going on in my parents' house as well. So given these, these different aspects and Adam sleeping with my mother's lover in the house and, you know, no, saying that Adam sleeps with him once in a while and when he's scared, you know, why wasn't he going to his father's, you know, bedside like I used to when I was little when I was scared, uh, you know, in the house or is it because I, I'm going to say the crazy were they all sleeping in the same bed together. So he went into, you know, scared and would sleep with, you know, it's insane. And then we know that the allegation, I'm going way off and I'm rambling, but I know that then the allegations that are against me, one of them is that I allow my paramour to sleep in bed with my children. I'm John Walsh's oh daughter and I don't have paramour and I don't for sure <laughs> let anyone sleep in bed with <laughs> no. my children. But then it sounds insane. It sounds crazy. It sounds gross. But then we have in the records here, Adam sleeping with my mother's paramour mm -hmm. so regardless of what bed or where the bed was um so i think that people did i mean i'm trying to be graceful in this gino that's why i think i'm not answering the question well, megan are very promiscuous my parents yes. have always been very promiscuous my dad i grew up with mistresses and on my 21st birthday him going on larry king live you know professing that he's a sex addict um, and, and more, I used to walk in on them. I mean, it's, it's a whole thing. So I don't think that, you know, it kind of seems like he might know her. I hate to say that. Um, and I hate to say that about my mother, but those are the facts of the matter. Uh, I know more stuff too, that would, that really is, is appalling that would lead to that. But yeah, my father definitely... too, so I can't really say anything. Well, it definitely seems that there was an open marriage going on there. I mean, they both knew what was going on on the other side, and they were allowing it. I mean, you have a live-in lover, for crying out loud. I mean, that, that should tell you everything you need to know. And they were sleeping together years before he moved in. So right. that's not like, oh, it was his friend 
And, you know, my dad is very good at being the feminine role and he's very good at being the victim. And my mom is very much like the stern, you know, male role in the relationship. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, it seems like they had a handshake and a deal before anything ever got started there. Something was going on. And that's what we also see later when he has mistresses. You know, I would pick up the phone while I've said this before, while I'm putting my little brother down for a nap because my mom's nowhere to be found and the nanny wasn't working. So I would be putting my brother down for a nap and uh, when he's a baby. And then I would, I mean, one time I go down to the bathroom and my dad's on the other side of the wall, you know, with his mistress on the phone. And I would pick up the phone and tell her to hang up and leave our family alone. And I was the little fighter. And then my dad would say, oh, please don't tell your mom. You know, we're doing so good. And it was the manipulation and the abuse. Um, And I would go along with it because I loved my dad. And he really played my mom and I against each other growing up. And and my mom was not a nice mom at all. She was my covert abuser. So, um, you know, this, this does make sense. I hate to say as ugly as this letter sounds, um, and people don't want to blame my mother. Um, when I find that she, you know, could have been high on cocaine or she could, you know, she doesn't have her times right. Any of that. She's in a love affair where she's having the guy move out where he, you know, just weeks before. And he's saying that, you know, he went to get on his own, you know, for Reve so that in hopes that, you know, she and maybe Adam would join him, stuff like that. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm not exactly so mad at this letter, to be honest. I'd call it well, I got to tell you, when mad. I first when I first found out about her promiscuity, I was thinking, OK, so she goes to the mall. How do we know she didn't run off for a little sexcapade while Adam's, you know, playing Atari games? Right. And, and also we, we see that the time on Adam off on James all the time. I mean, yes. never taken care of any of us, to be honest. I mean, she plays a good part, um, but she's never behind closed doors actually taking care of us. So it's that's very yeah. possible. And, and we've and seen the time. Yes, minutes. I was going to say we've seen the time discrepancies. She said 10 minutes, nine minutes or something like that, then 10 it's changed a million times, but 90 is what seems to be the legitimate time that she was missing. Like, so what is going on for 90 minutes? Coke and sex? I don't know. She's running around and everything, you know, at the time looking for him. So, you know, I want to be fair, but also we've heard rumor, you know, I mean, we have to even question if Adam was, was even at the mall that day. I know that sounds crazy, but we have no one that's confirmed that 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 he was the same boy when they were all asked with this picture id no one actually recognized him until the few that said they did after they were hypnotized you know or the security guard i think what we didn't bring about up about the security guard is actually that the uh security uh you know hub or kiosk whatever for sears department store was actually in the toy department and uh that day after she told Adam and the boys to disperse that uh, she, she, you know, uh, gives her affidavit that the head of security at Sears actually told her to go home and change her clothes from her security uniform and to change into auto uh, department clothes uniform and to return and work the rest of the day in the auto department. I don't, I don't, you know, I've never worked at Sears, so maybe that's a common thing, but I did want to point that out. Um, but, you know, I digress back to the, pa- the fact that no one has really confirmed ever seeing Adam there. I'm not saying that 
he wasn't. I'm just pointing out the facts that no one has ever truly confirmed. And when they were asked, no one from the photo ID actually identified Adam, as well as the security guard in her testimony also notes that the boy she saw that day, uh, whoever that was, uh, looked to be, again, I think I brought this up the last show, like looked to be in quote unquote a bad way or that he wasn't taken care of or that there was something off about him. So that's also congruent with, you know, some of the things that we've seen and the neglect and the potential fetal alcohol syndrome, especially knowing the drug and alcohol and the lifestyle use um, and things of that. So, you know. Yeah. Good points. Well, you know, while you brought up Monahan and you brought up his son, Michael, let's, we might as well just go there for a couple seconds and look at this. I've got it here. Let's look at his polygraph. I mean, he was questioned extensively. It looks like, I think this was 90, 96, I believe. Um, this is, this is kind of funny, actually. Let me zoom in a little bit for you. So it says this was detective Mark Smith, uh, who, Megan, is uh, Smith the guy that your mom and dad went up to at the car, knocked on the window and said, hey, have you found my son yet? Or are you looking for my son? And then he um, he was like a I young think, buck at the time. From what I remember, it, he was, but I don't want to misspeak. I don't want to be. Yeah, I think he was like 23 years old or something. He started digging into this case. But um, it says on January 4th, 1996, Michael Monahan responded to the Hollywood Police Department and voluntarily submitted to a polygraph examination regarding the above case. The exam was a Utah specific, uh, specific, which has 11 questions and four charts were run. The examination was conducted by the undersigned on January 4th, 1996 at the Hollywood Police Department, third floor, blah, blah, blah. Michael Monahan was given a polygraph agreement form and rights confirmation form. He read and advised he understood and signed both forms. At this time, the undersigned reviewed all 11 questions to be used on the examination. The following pertinent test questions were asked of the subject during the course of the test. Uh, in regards to the murder, do you intend to answer my questions truthfully? Yes. Uh, did you deliberately cause the death of Adam Walsh? No. Do you know who murdered Adam Walsh? No. In conclusion, it is the examiner's opinion and the subject's responses on his polygraph examination indicated no significant signs of deception that was done by Curtis Navarro. So again, we see these extensive polygraph uh, questioning somebody that could be a probable, I mean, I don't know. I would, I would definitely be looking into this guy because look at his record, Megan. And this is a hat tip to our good friend, uh, Mike Hollywood reporter. He sent these over. This is Monahan's record. And this is 89, let's see, 89, 89, 94, 89, 94. So this is all prior to his polygraph and they didn't question him more than that look look i mean kid possession in 98 too okay <laughs> yeah oh yeah, yeah. yep sorry. yeah threatens well, order to I mean, extort here we, go. we have the son of a guy who has a very questionable background in dealings john monahan with the cessna planes cleared out you know going back and forth mm -hmm. to the bahamas the hotel uh industry which we know is the number one trafficking you know hubs and and all that stuff um, and then here's his son, who was actually uh, best friends with James Campbell. That's how my dad met James Campbell. Was uh, he was best friends since they were young with uh, with Michael Monahan, and he would be over at the Diplomat Hotel, running around the pool and. 
doing that again my dad meeting him at about 12 or 13 years old and then uh, i guess befriending him what do we call it befriending him and then he's again the godfather and you know somehow mm -hmm. part of the family with my parents uh and their child so um there's that <laughs> i'm good that's gonna be We're trademarked there's that i want that on a like on a hat and a t-shirt or something <laughs> I mean, yeah. What do we say? Yeah, there's that. Maybe that'll be next week. That's going to be in the merch store when we yeah, open the merch be, store. Yeah, it'll be in the, I'll have to make one. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, at, at a certain point, what do you say to this stuff? But you know, again, here's here's Michael Monahan. He has a shady, and and also we have to I have to include that he was about 27 or 28 years old because he was a little bit older than James, who was 25 at the time, right? When Adam's taken. And I had always assumed, I mean, it doesn't make sense. I had always assumed, like many of us do, that he was like young when this happened, mm -hmm. right? Like maybe a teenager or something, especially after hearing this that I'm about to say. Well, Michael Monahan, apparently a couple days after Adam was taken or something in the vicinity of the time of Adam being taken, he was actually at a skate park uh, and he got into an argument with a younger boy or something that was skating there and he got very mad and he had a machete, which if anyone knows the case, they say that a machete was used to cut off Adam's yeah. head. Mm -hmm. um, and so he actually, there is a machete incident that wow. happens days around okay. Adam taking by this Michael Monahan, and he went after a, a guy, a boy at the skate park. Uh, who ran into, you know, one of the meters, a pool room or a utility, a utility room, I guess you would say. Um, and that Michael kept, you know, through the door, kept whacking the machete, you know, at this, this other guy, you know, child, I don't know how old he was, but, you know, a teenager or whatnot, uh, through the door. And he got in trouble for that. And, you know, I think that also added to them maybe wanting to question him. Hmm. But nonetheless, that was, you know, this part is kind of never talked about. Maybe it's frivolous. Maybe maybe, they, you know, maybe it has nothing to do with it. So that's why. But, well, I mean, he's 20 years old at the time. If, yeah. And then we see him later, uh, you know, kidnapping, extorting and, you know, horrible things that he does prison time for, you know, later right. in his life. I'm eating dinner too. Sorry, guys. Well, the person the person he's chasing around, I mean, he's 20 years old. He's born in 61. It's 81. So he's 20. I mean, I wonder how old this kid is he's chasing around with a machete. I mean, mm -hmm. kid, you know, I mean, maybe he's 15, 14, something like that. Maybe he's 18. I don't know. Maybe he's an adult. But still, nonetheless, like you said, he's chasing somebody with a machete. And how peculiar that a machete was used, supposedly, in the beheading of, of Adam. I mean, that's one of the key pieces of evidence that had, I think it had electrical tape around the handle and stuff and... It, it disappeared for a while and from a, it was in the back of the car that supposedly well, he was that, murdered in. And then the Hollywood police say that they mishandled it as evidence. Mm -hmm. They found a machete with blood on it. They mishandled that as evidence. They lost the entire car. Then they then switched from a van to a car. Then they lost that car. Um, they lost a lot of evidence or mishandled it. So none of it could be used, which is really amazing, isn't it? Um, it is. Now, there was no DNA back then. They didn't have any DNA testing in 81. But they did try, I think later on, they did try to run some DNA on it, on supposedly, on some of the other items. And it was just too old. It, it wasn't registering. And I don't even know if that's true. I don't know enough about DNA testing, if that's 
true? If it's, uh, it's very something hard that happens really often, I don't know. You can usually get DNA off of anything, so it's very interesting. Um, yeah, like also, a hair strand or something. Also, I realized that you know my parents don't have anything of Adams uh, at all. They said that, oh, oops, we don't have anything of Adams because they came in and they covered everything with black powder to look for fingerprints and. You know, you and I discussed that earlier. As a mm -hmm. mother, I would say, oh, can I have a shirt from the bottom of the pile in his drawer that probably won't have a fingerprint on it? Or could I keep something of my child's, you know? Um, so there's no DNA there. The body was never found. All of the evidence was mishandled. The head was kept on ice when, you know, when DNA could happen. They did a mitochondrial test that got botched in the, in the lab, and then they cremated the head. So here we are. There's that. There's that. <laughs> There's oh my that. gosh. Okay. Well, let's, let's, let's go into, you, know. you were fighting. I know you were biting your tongue. Yeah. I saw it. Okay. So let's go into this. Let's talk about, we're kind of bouncing around tonight, but this is going to lead into yeah. the evidence next week. Right. So, cause we need to preface it before we get into the actual physical evidence and show pictures and then the actual documents and all the other things that go with it. But we wanted to get to, the, the case was actually closed after a set amount of town, time. No murderer was found. Um, they had supposedly done this thorough investigation, looking through uh, all the uh, leads they had and stuff, but it wasn't leading anywhere. So they do you know what year it was actually closed when it was considered un, unsolved? Do you know what year oh that gosh, was, Megan? I was there. I was there. You put me on the spot. Was it like 97 or something? I, that's no, what I was going to say. I, I, I thought it was 96, but it, like it might be. Yeah. 96. It's somewhere late nineties, somewhere around there. I know that. Um, but I so they remember where I was in the world when I had to fly yeah. down all of a sudden to a press conference that we already knew what was happening, but yet we were all supposed to act, you know, sad and, you know, right. surprised and all that. Yeah. Stuff. So, 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 your dad was uh, concerned if the case was reopened that this is what he said. He's, uh, he said, police and prosecutors say their main fear is that by releasing the records, crucial details known only to the killer could become public knowledge. There are definitely portions of that file that should not let loose, should be let loose, said Paul du Dugan, Dungan, uh, administrative assistant to Hollywood police chief uh, Richard Witt. So I don't know why in the world I, I get it. It's a cold case, right? And, and and if I was a parent, I was trying to put myself in your parents' shoes. And I was thinking, okay, if I was a parent and my son was murdered and nothing had been found at, you know, what is it? Uh, fast forward, you know, what, nine, 18 years or whatever it is. I, I would, there would be no closure. I would say, no, let's, let's open it up and let's re-examine it and let's check into it and see if we can find somebody or chase some of these other leads. That would right. be my own preference as a parent. And they had that option, Gino, mm -hmm. for the almost 20 years leading up to that. They had that option. Mm -hmm. And then we see uh, Mark, I believe it was Wagner, Detective Wagner, coming in and saying, was it, I don't want to misspeak. What was the, who, I don't have my book in front of me today. Um, but, you know, we have then later, you know, the, the detective coming in for this when the records want to be open. Mm -hmm. So I should give, I should give background. So. Later, uh, the the 
um, Greeland with the Broward Bulldog was the publication at the time. And uh, Willis Morgan, uh, who has provided all these documents through, again, everyone can find them at justiceforadam.com. Um, they actually put in great effort. They faced retaliation and threats. Uh, to file for the case files to be opened finally. I mean, this case, again, has been controversial since the day it happened. So, um, you know, I think that they felt that there was enough time that had been let, you know, and, and given respect to the family and that it was time for these records to be released. And, um, and so they, they did file motions. They went through the courts to get these released. And my parents, I think we have a clip tonight. Am I right? Um, we, yeah, we do. I was, was going to show some a bunch of the and, papers at the time we're talking about it too. Okay, but hang on, hang on. Let's finish mm -hmm. things. We are skipping yep. all over tonight. So let's just stay on something for a second um, before we go to that because I already lost my train of thought. So they filed uh, in the court in, in Broward County, Miami, uh, or Hollywood area to uh, have the records released. They were fought, you know, my parents fought it. They had attorneys. They, as we see, they were saying that, you know, we want to keep investigating. There might be new leads. And then we see a detective come in. Um, to the trial and say suddenly that he had new leads. Uh, and from most of the people that have studied this case extensively, uh, we have all come to the, and those are, you know, professionals and, and investigative journalists and things. We've pretty much come to the conclusion that that was a tactic to, you know, buy time right. or, or keep it closed, that there really were no new leads. And that was the thing about it is that there weren't leads there weren't leads and my parents weren't being looked at and the three closest to the child where we know that 95, 93 to 95% of the time when something happens or especially a sexual nature or predator, a predatorial nature, that it's usually someone close to, uh, in the family or close to the family. So when none of that's being looked at, there's no suspects coming forward. Um, the case is trying to be opened when we've already had my parents, you know, dropping the Sears case because the judge would not uh, exclude James Campbell's testimony. Mm -hmm. She thought that that was stating clearly that 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 was very important, integral to the case and to the hearings because that showed, you know, why Adam would have gone missing or what his, the situation in the household and in the family leading up to this child's disappearance what you know what that was and as what we've found from james you know and and others that knew them that it was a very you know what we found you know the drug use the promise to you everything we've talked about so far so she felt that it was very pertinent to the hearings and the case at hand um as far as them suing sears because they were trying to hold sears accountable uh for his <laughs> disappearance okay i guess because right. of the security guard but then again, we go back to that letter, which might be crude, but it's very accurate to the logistics. We're not talking about the emotional manipulation that was put out in the narrative, you know, in the public. We're not talking about you grab your chest and this little boy ta was taken. This is police work and this is logistics and this is what happened, whether you like how it sounds or not. Um, the child was left by a mother who was, um, a, you know, known for drug use and promiscuity and, you know, different things of that nature, despite what has been put out, which if you were John Rave Walsh, would you put that out there? I don't think anyone, you know, mm. any of us would exactly, you know, if you didn't have to. So we have all these different, you know, no suspect, no anything. 
uh, which then we suddenly see Otis Tool pop up, you know, and re I mean, he had confessed, you know, sooner than that, but we keep, we see him being this constant, like, go-to to possibly close the case and eventually. So, you know, I think that they were very right to open. I remember at the time, the inside talk with my parents, and they were very panicked and saying, you know, we can't have this be... And, uh, you know, I think on the last show I brought up that I was at the Breakers Hotel in Palm Beach at a big, you know, fundraiser for the National Center. And they were talking about this. And I went and snuck out and went to the payphone because I was determined I was going to call this judge and tell him, you know, that he was a creep for, you know, in other words, for, you know, releasing these files. And then when I grew up, you know, and realized the, the, the real situation and all the different angles of it. Uh, as an adult, then obviously, you know, I understood uh, why that happened. And I'm actually glad, aren't we glad that that happened? I'm very we thankful. Sure are. Um, but they did fight for a long time and they fought to close the Sears case to cover the the truths of their lifestyle at the time of Adam. They, had, they did this here. And then we also have accounts of not only myself, but others where if you have a different narrative or you question this narrative, then you will be retaliated against and threatened and usually using CPS and taking your children. Uh, and that, that sounds wild, but that's where, you know, what we do have proven actually. Right. Yeah. Well, these were some of the articles that were written about it. There was, I, there was a whole bunch in the uh, justice for Adam files. If you want to go look at those, um, I believe that was in box two and you can search through them. There's just uh, tons of them. Willis did a great job assembling all this stuff. And then, again, it was your... I, I forgot to read the uh, part where your dad was um, talking about it. He said, I think um, Mr. Walsh has a big concern, Seth said. He wanted once and for all to have this case solved, and he doesn't want to see anything happen that would jeopardize the effective prosecution. So I'm not really understanding that, Megan, because there's no one to prosecute. So how is anything going to be effective for the prosecution? Am I misunderstanding that? Well, right. I, you know, I said it earlier, like that this whole case, when we look at it is like hearsay there, hearsay where, I mean, I'm looking from a logistical standpoint where I want to pull the evidence out. I want to pull the facts and the proof of what led to these things. And I have had a very difficult time. It's also why we're here, you know, skipping around and why we're questioning mm -hmm. things stuff you know which again my dad was you know very articulate in the beginning to say that the police were messing this up and they were botching the case and you know whether that was for something down the line like police state and more federalized stuff i don't know but you know to begin with they you know were very very much criticizing it and what i find interesting is that when we look at the other questioning like we did from the previous shows of james campbell the detectives were actually accurately asking them, was there neglect in the house or to this child? Was, you know, why, of course, when you're sleeping with her, you're not thinking it of it as you and her as brother and sister, or else that would be, you know, an incestual relationship. You know, you keep referring to her and my mother, Reve, you know, as you and her having this brother-sister closeness. And, you know, they were asking these hard questions, uh, as ugly as it might be. I mean, we have a child that's, you know, only, you know, ahead at this point, I hate to say it. And they were trying to find out what was going on, so. It does seem like I part of the department. <laughs> yeah, I mean, some of the department was doing their job. Some of the department wasn't. And you just wonder, like, was there a relationship with your father in some of 
the guys that weren't that's doing the job and they're and they're playing I both sides that. right they're just legit yeah. trying to legitimize like your dad's like oh these guys didn't do their job they screwed up they botched the whole investigation and yet that was the plan from the beginning it's just i don't know that's kind of my thought on it but it could have been and you know the fact that they're going you know there's the whole page there's the whole opposition there you know like are mm. we are we trying to say that they're bad for other things or were they you know, we're, but we also know, I brought it up before, that the Miami, you know, when we look at history and what was happening in that area at the time, you know, this was promiscuity. This was drug use. You know, it was cartels yeah. going around, cocaine cowboys. I mean, this is not far from, we have to put ourselves in that time and look at, you know, other things besides just the narrative and just the case that we've been given. And they didn't want to give us these portions of the case either. So, um, we're looking at stuff that they fought to keep hidden, but then that's what I also asked, you know, John Monahan's son, I said directly, I had a gut feeling and I said, do you know, did your father have any sort of relationship with the Hollywood police department? And again, the Hollywood police department was located right across the street from the Sears mall mm -hmm. conveniently. So, um, so I asked him that and he said like, without, before I even could finish, he said, of course, like. He was the hotel exec, you know, if, if somebody got busted or, you know, drunk driving or something like that, you say, hey, do you want to come to this VIP party this weekend? I'll give you a suite this weekend at the hotel, you and your wife, you know, just let this one slide, especially when you have, you know, celebrities and, and diplomats, politicians coming all in and out of your hotel and, and what's going on there. So. Um, so yeah, they definitely, he said that they had a relationship, like a barter system and a setup. And, uh, and I knew that, you know, I had a feeling and, uh, and then of course my father's under him as, you know, working as his guy and, and, and all of that. So why wouldn't there be any connection, but also what I want to bring up to that, I would like to add that again, we have at that time and right before Adam, we even have the Miami homicide department uh, you know, being busted for, you know, detectives and, and, you know, people mm -hmm. within working with the mob. So, I mean, and we have to start understanding what police corruption is, you know, I'm not like, you know, defund the yeah. police. Defund the police. Also, yeah. I'm not defund the police, but I'm also not no. back the blue. First of all, that's a desecrated no. flag and that's a gang sign. Mm -hmm. um, but what we are dealing with uh, does need to be addressed in a very realistic way because police departments are, part of trafficking they're part of these issues in in many circumstances and we have to start owning that just like if family members are part of a child being molested or a child being taken right and, and we discussed that happened. last week that the sheriff in your own case hasn't defended you know his own jurisdiction i mean that's his duty to protect you and has done absolutely nothing in your case with your children yeah but and that's why the whole thing, we have to ask the question why because it's corruption because mm -hmm. my father campaigned for him literally the year before they you know he got in months before they did this to me my father campaigns this is a small town this is good old boy system and my dad was best friends for 40 years with the previous sheriff daryl lore who then retired and has been accused very much so and i believe that the state even admitted that he did um, had been trafficking drugs through Indian River County for 40 years. I mean, we know how it was, how it's done. We know where they were bringing the drugs in to the private club here in town on the private barrier 
island because it's out of jurisdiction. It's a jurisdiction of its own. Um, and they would use landscape trucks and they would take, go into the development when the snowbirds were gone on their expensive properties on the water. They would bring the drugs in and uh, put them on the landscaping trucks and take them out and distribute them from there. So, I mean, we've known in Indian River County since it seems to be a weird thing that all this kind of started around the time that Adam's remains are found in Florida. So the head is found in, I mean, in Vero Beach, excuse me, mm -hmm. um, in Indian River County. So it is interesting to hear, you know, the head of what was found in Indian River County. And we know that James, that John Monahan, his boss, was coming up here um, prior to you know, Adam's disappearance, you know, for quote unquote business. So there was already a presence, you know, in the area that Adam's remains were found. And then we end up moving up there. So it's all these different things that kind of add up to being very questionable, I guess, is my point sure. here, bringing up the random facts together. Very questionable. All right. Well, here's the judge making the ruling on the case being reopened. The courtroom was full. It was the 11th hour. Broward Circuit Judge Leroy Moe had already been through two hearings in eight months. He'd already ruled the case file should be open to the media. But prosecutors wanted one last chance to delay, if not stop, the release of a 14-year-old investigation. We need to further investigate this case, and the harm that can be done is irreparable, in my opinion, to a successful prosecution of the killer or killers without a law. Adam Walsh's mother, Reve, the woman on the right, sat in the corner of the courtroom hoping to speak to the judge directly. He would hear only from her attorney. What we're here for and what this is about is giving the responsible authorities the opportunity simply to do their job. In the end, the judge remained unmoved that the case was close to being solved, that these last-minute motions were anything but delaying tactics. And the release of this material would not be prejudicial or cause irreparable harm to the state or to its case. Based on that, the emergency motion to stay is denied. Denied. So that was Judge Maul. Was that the one, Megan, you were talking about? You were... Sorry, guys, I'm dealing Gonna... with a needy dog. Oh. <laughs> dog, a cat. You had the train yeah. earlier. <laughs> got it going on. It's wild around here, you yeah, know? It's crazy. Um, so, anyways, what were you saying, Gina? What, was that the judge that you were at first? You're like, oh my gosh, what is he doing? How could he do this? No. And, no, was I was different... going to, oh yeah, that was him that I was okay. like, how can he do this? I'm going to get this guy, you know, because I'm John Walsh's mm -hmm. daughter at like, you know, 14 or something. I'm saying, I don't yeah. And, uh, but no, I, I was going to say that I want to give credit to this judge, which I don't do these days at all. But again, why I say that is to revert back to the first judge with the Sears case, who did say, no, I think this is integral to the case. And here this judge is making the decision that I do believe is right, um, that, you know, the record should be released for the public to be able to see. And my parents did fight tooth and nail. My mom did show up. I think her expressions in that video are very mm -hmm. telling interesting i know that woman um and uh and so and actually they you know my mom i the thing in the family or behind the scenes was this whole again victim narrative of you know the judge wouldn't let me testify in court because he said he doesn't want emotions to get in the courtroom which i agree with you know at that, mm -hmm. at that point you know, when they're trying to swell due to the nature of the case you know i don't think that emotions shouldn't be allowed in courtrooms but i think that 
due to the nature of what was going on and, and being ruled on. I do agree with uh, with that, and and now I see why. I think that maybe the judges and people around that time knew a little bit more than maybe we do as well. So there's that. I was also thinking, like you know, they they were trying to pin this thing on Otis Tool, right? So what if they were trying to shut the thing down so the evidence could be never looked at again, hidden in the dark, and then they push this narrative going forward and pin it on this, I mean, let's face it, we talked about this earlier, this Otis Tool wasn't the most handsome man alive, okay? You're not gonna find him on a, on a GQ cover. No, absolutely disgusting um, and, and terrifying. And of course you wouldn't question, you know, that he, if this guy did it or not. And that's right. when I started looking at, you know, Otis Tool and Henry Lee Lucas uh, interviews and Otis even says like straight to everyone, he's laughing, he's like, you guys read too many books. He's like, we were chosen by the CIA to mm -hmm. be trained assassins. We were trained in the Everglades, which actually does have a military base. And, you know, people have tried to dispel this. And I'm not saying he was true. We can't believe a word these guys say. No. So that's, no, that's beforehand. Um, but, you know, he they do have moments of truth and they do laugh and tell you sometimes, you know, a lot of the time and mixed in the lies. So, you know, they, my point here is that, you know, he, the real message there was that the, that there were people that were individuals that were chosen to be the ugly faces for the yes. media to cover for the ones that were really doing these crimes, whoever, whoever that was. So. Right. And it's a, it's a perfect picture to paint if you go forward from 96 to I believe it was 2014 when they finally solved the crime. Matthews helped solve the crime. So. If you think about it, they're painting this picture that all the evidence is buried. They could move forward. They could pin it on this guy and his gay lover. And, and it's still kind of taboo right around that time, right? Not many people. They're like, oh, wow, he's gay and he's ugly and he's kind of like mentally challenged. And he's got all these killers. Yeah. serial killers and they're, they're on the loose. And they're together and they're murdering people. <laughs> and, and, then and they're they, chopping they, heads off. Well, Otis Tool originally said that Henry Lee Lucas was with him when he did it, which uh, like automatically nullifies any of mm -hmm. his truths or her or his confessions because Henry Lee Lucas was locked up at the time that Adam was taken. So that was that was ruled out and absolutely impossible. So we'll get to Otis one day, but there's a lot there. You know, there's a, a ton, a lot of uh, recanting, a lot of fake letters written by his prison roommates saying it's yeah. him. So we'll, we'll get into that. This it just seems to me like if you're trying to cover something, that's the perfect way to do it. You, you, you bury the records and then you paint this guy as, as the guy that did it. He's a nut job. He's whacking heads off with his machete, uh, scare the public. And then, oh good, we got the bad guy. He's off the streets now. And it solves the, the you know, the murder. The 27 year old well, murder you know, at the time. a lot of people yeah i agree with you and I, I you know if people look at even the dahmer possibility right of jeffrey dahmer um but then people will argue you know people automatically take that out because they say oh he wasn't into young boys did all this stuff well neither was Otis tool mm -hmm. nowhere in their track records are they messing with little boys? I mean, Dahmer actually was more, you know, had more rumors about that than even Otis Tool did. So that's true. Otis Tool was only ever proven to like literally do the arson that he was originally arrested for. Same with Henry right. Lucas and the original murder right. that he was arrested for. Yeah. You know what I found interesting, and this kind of ties in with Otis Tool. We might as well go there right now. Detective J.W. Terry, 
was eyeing a book deal while pushing the tool while pushing Otis Tool into a confession. I found this article, and I this is <laughs> you think there's it's a conflict not. of interest? Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. This you think there's real. a conflict this of interest? Real. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Look, this was looking for thing. a book deal. Yeah. Otis Tool saw what Henry Lee Lucas was doing in Texas under Bush. And he saw that Henry was confessing to everything the police brought to him. And the police were happy to do it because they were able to close cases and they were getting great recognition for it. And in return for that, you know, Henry Lee Lucas says himself, he says blatantly to you, if you were sentenced to life for the rest of your life in prison, then you had an opportunity to become the, you know, the nation's most notorious serial killer. He's like, I, I did it. I became that. So that's what I became, you know, and, and why uh, is because of the incentives, you know, he calls it milkshakes and fried chicken, like I said before. <laughs> and it's like, you know, he's, it was, and when you look at, you know, people can refer to Henry Lee Lucas, if you want a quick update or, you know, a, a compressed, you know, kind of dump on you about Henry Lee Lucas. You can watch the Netflix um, series, The Confession Killer. Otis Tool's also in that. Um, and Otis states clearly, like, I just want to get to Texas and be with Henry because we're lovers and I see yeah. all the perks. So, um, you know, I mean, they were, they were very, you know, they were playing games and then they would also, you know, have fun telling everybody what was really going on and then laugh about it afterwards. So And then a friends. side note, the side note with Henry Lee Lucas was he was the only man ever pardoned by George Bush as governor of Texas, right? Out of like 50 people or something, 51 people. Yeah, Which, he was standing in execution uh, uh, yeah. right before his execution, Bush uh, pardoned him. And, and Bush was known for never pardoning anybody. Never. So, yeah. yeah. And then yeah. we see Bush and my dad in the Rose Garden uh, later on the anniversary of Adam's death, signing the Adam Walsh Act, which I was there for in the Rose Garden. And uh, I find it interesting that you would sign a bill and, and work with a president who pardoned the lover of your son's murderer. But that's just me, I guess, these days. <laughs> so that's that. That's such, so strange. Yeah. And he's the number, he's the, oh gosh, I'm almost speechless. He's the crime fighter, right? He's the guy that's getting the scumbags off the street and all this stuff. And yet George Bush let the guy go that's implicated in, in the crime. I, it's so bizarre. Like, I don't even know how you make this. I mean, up. they had ruled him out, Gino, so that's fine. Right. But literally he well, pardoned this, this alleged serial killer. The lover. He's the lover. Still, yeah. Yeah, but even if it was like, oh, this guy has pardoned serial killers before, I'm not going to go, you know, work with him. True. And then furthermore, cough, nail in the coffin is that it's a lover of the guy <laughs> that says he killed my son. That's what I'm son. saying, yeah. yeah. It's just bizarre. So bizarre. All right, well, let's switch gears a little bit. Can you please explain your theory of the Finders cult and how it ties in with your brother's death? possibly. Yeah. I mean, I think we'll go through the information and stuff because again, I have a hard time blatantly saying things out. There's also legalities mm -hmm. we have to watch out for. So, um, but you know, the finders cult. okay, so we're getting, we are going to rapidly switch gears, Gina. Okay. Yeah. So the finders cult to give people that aren't familiar that are viewing tonight, um, a little background on the finders cult. So 
The Finder's Cult was established uh, by the CIA. We do know that from the declass of the recently, in the last uh, recent few years, uh, declassified documents. So the CIA does admit that the Finders was originally started as a computer-based operation. Um, they were lawyers, accountants, you know, people within society that, you know, did have knowledge of that kind of stuff or was, of you know, would be able to contribute to their operation. Um, and they basically kind of, the CIA says that they went rogue. I don't believe that. I think that, you know, they're very controlled. I think we know better than that. I don't think the CIA just lets things go rogue, but, um, basically in 1987 in Jacksonville, Florida, um, in a park, uh, there was two gentlemen in black suits, uh, white shirts, black tie, black thin ties, mustaches. Um, and they had six children and a van and, uh, people called, you know, the authorities on them because the children looked extremely disheveled, almost like the security guards account of the boy that mm -hmm. she saw in Sears that day. So these children were very disheveled. They, the accounts say, were saying that they appeared to, you know, not be clean and not be fed, you know, that kind of a thing. So the authorities go they arrest the two, uh, you know, adult men that are with these six children. The six children were all nonverbal except for the oldest little girl. And uh, the gentleman told the authorities that they were from Washington, D.C. Now, remember the Franklin scandal and the McMartin case and, uh, you know, Larry King and all of this with, you know, boys and the White House and everything. We'll, we won't go into that. But... Um, the finders cult said that they were, uh, you know, that these were children that they had permission from the parents to take, and they were taking down, these were gifted children. Now remember five out of six are nonverbal. The sixth is ba barely verbal. So these were in their account, gifted children that their parents had given permission to, to take to Mexico to a gifted school, to a gifted program, and that they had stopped at the park on the way. And I will say while I'm saying this right now, the Sound of Freedom gave an international child trafficking narrative when actually the reality of that case was also a man in the community grooming, you know, a, a grandmother that had custody of her two children. He was allowed to take this boy and he took the boy back and forth to Mexico and brought him back hmm. over the border. So I will put that out there. Please look into the actual case from that, you know, that they're saying is that the movie is an accurate depiction of because it's not. Um, so the finders said that they were taking them to Mexico to a gifted school. The gentleman ended up getting uh, arrested. Uh, the children were taken into DCF custody in Florida. The mothers were contacted. The mothers actually refused to show up the mothers went along with it. This is where the cult, you know, comes in and how it was kind of revealed. Um, the mother said that, yes, we gave permission uh, and and they were taken. Now, what was also found in the van, so again, they have a van, which again, originally the account of Adam being taken was a van, by a van. Um, and so they did have a van and in that van uh, was a computer. And being CIA connected, they obviously had a computer that was a higher operating system than the average civilian would have had access to. 
and they could also plug in their phone and send out messages and emails, different things of that sort. So what they were doing with that computer, they come to find out, is that they were, you know, putting, again, under the skies of gifted program and, you know, these parents and everything that, you know, it's almost like boarding school or something I would think of, like, oh, yeah, we're sending them off. Um, but what they were doing was creating a network or a catalog of, uh, you know, parents and their children, what children they were taking, what children they were swapping, which is what leads to what we find out about the finder's cult was their lifestyle. Uh, as far as, you know, it was more of this, it takes a village. It was a communal upbringing for their children. The um, children were actually uh, purposefully weaned from the mothers and were raised by other mothers within the cult. So this is where that rumor or that possibility or the reality that we're finding out of, you know, children being taken through adoption, their names changed, their birthdays changed and being given to other families. And it's kind of what we're seeing. I mean, it is what we see in the modern day child protective services, CPS or DCF system. And to me, it very much looks like a between the national center and our modern cps system that it is a larger um you know manifested vision mm -hmm. of what the finders were doing um and they were doing that network of the families and the children they were taking where the children were going and things like that which then would bring you back to kind of that letter that we saw that was saying you know uh there was a man who had already lost his child and his wife was going crazy he offered ten thousand dollars cash we took it and we went and got a kid um so and that we couldn't again that letter we couldn't derive whether there was a child before adam in, in that context of that or whether he was referring to adam um so if anyone has thoughts or can help us delineate that from that letter, that would be great too. I know we had a moment on that. Um, but, you know, so, so we've got, we've got the letters, we've got the different discrepancies. And again, we're here with that kind of stuff. So I could go on forever and ever. So sometimes I try to cut myself off. No, that's great. It's your show. So they want to hear you. No, I mean. and, and the, well, so the finders also, uh, you know, they they were also known to have, have a warehouse outside of Washington, D.C., where they did have photography set up and different things like that. I brought this up on one of the other shows uh, when we had Bill Collins, the other, you know, another boss of my father's. My dad has all these bosses, doesn't he? Um, so he, you know, his wife coming out right after the finders came out and saying, you know, I'd seen similar pictures and Polaroids while we were arguing um you know of naked children on rugs which seemed to be in like a setting you know and that's what they had found in the warehouse in washington dc so they did do like we see with the mcmartin case which is the preschool um and i highly recommend everyone to look into it um they were these people were originally convicted or you know uh charged and then we see through trials and different things that it fades off or that they end up getting away with it the children were returned to the mothers um, the gentleman spent some time, I believe, in Tallahassee, and that's actually when all of the finders moved down to Tallahassee uh, to support them and to do all of this. So this is a literal cult, um, and they were connected to the CIA. They were taking children, and they were switching them around uh, and raising them in a Hillary Clinton, Margaret Sanger, it takes a village uh, setup. 
So that's it in a nutshell. I mean, there's so much more to so the finders, but you know, that's it in a nutshell. And then we see a van that's then switched to a Cadillac with Adam. We see, you know, my mother, you know, having others living in the house, you know, younger men living in the house, taking care of her child, obviously, you know, distant from her child, more so than normal. And there's always been this big push about, you know, my dad, when he says something over and over again, you should really question it, um, especially when he's adamant about it. And he's always very adamant to be like, Reve was such a wonderful mother, you know, Reve was this and that. And yeah, I mean, people could even argue that I play devil's advocate. Oh, well, you know, Megan, maybe you had a different experience of her because it was after Adam, but I also know my family and I also know my mother and, um, uh, it, this, a lot of it wasn't new after Adam. It was a lot of it was pre-existing. Right. And we wow. see that. We That's... See that with Jim and pawning her son off and, you know, the lover being upset about it and all that. So there is proof to that. Right. So I got this video of the finders and it's pretty much everything you just touched on. You did such a great job articulating it, but I'm still going to play it because... <laughs> Yeah, I know. Well, because I didn't know you were going to like be so thorough with it. It was so amazing. It was like oh, you were writing, a, writing it for me. But I'm going to go ahead and play it anyway because I think there's some interesting stuff in here. And at least you get the video. Because I got to be honest, I, I know about the finders. I just didn't know the depths of it until I met you and you started explaining how it could possibly tie in with Adam and, and even stuff before that. And I knew, you know, CIA involvement. The, the clowns in America are involved in everything. We know that. So I, I, I just find it fascinating. Like this does make sense. It, I could see this being the origins of of how this all starts with Adam. I could definitely see that. Thought, and it's very. I thought, you know, I take a chance and put it up on Twitter a couple of days ago, and you know, I. Was, I <laughs> I really thought people were going to say, okay, Megan, now you're really off your rocker, but I got more. So uh, this finally makes sense. So let's, let's it see. makes sense to me. It makes a lot of sense because think of the CIA. We know they're involved in everything, everything. And so why and they wouldn't they? Be, yeah. Why the wouldn't they be involved in trafficking children and cocaine and weapons? Right. right. All these right. things like it, it makes it total sense. We know that that goes hand in hand, you know, drugs. Right. And arms trade go hand in hand with human and child trafficking. So, Absolutely. All right, well, I'm going to play the video. I think it's about three minutes long. We'll be back. The satanic cult that runs the world. It was the 1980s. Among the decades trends of arcade games, horror movies, and big hair, a growing fear was sweeping the United States known as the Satanic Panic. To describe this story as horrifying would be an understatement. The rise of heavy metal music with supposed hidden messages, Dungeons and Dragons, and new stories about Satanic cults and rituals taking place fueled the growing hysteria. The evidence is in. Satan worship and Satanic cults are growing rapidly. And adherents of these ideas are becoming more vocal and more dangerous. But in the end, that's all this was, right? Just hysteria. On Wednesday, February 4th, 1987, an anonymous call was made to the Tallahassee Police Department. The call stated that two well-dressed men were seen watching over six dirty and unkept children, ages two to seven, at a playground in Myers Park, Tallahassee. 
According to an official report of investigation, the children were covered with insect bites and very dirty. Most of the children were now wearing underwear, and all the children had not been bathed in many days, whereas the two men were found wearing suits and ties. Even more disturbing was their vehicle, a 1979 Dodge van. Inside the van were maps, books, letters, 20 floppy disks, a computer, and a mattress. The vehicle was also described as being foul-smelling, and it appeared as though all eight of them had been living inside that van for quite some time. The two men explained to the police that they were the children's teachers, and that they were driving to a school for brilliant children in Mexico. Police asked the men where the children's mothers were, to which they said they were being weaned from their mothers. The men were arrested on multiple accounts of child abuse, and all eight of them were taken into custody for further questioning. The men identified themselves as Michael Houlihan and Douglas Ammerman. When questioned, the two men were initially apprehensive to communicate. Some reports claimed that one of them wouldn't cooperate at all and would enter a trance-like state. Authorities turned their efforts to questioning the six children, and this is where things started to get unsettling. The children were identified as Mary Houlihan, Max Livingston, Benjamin Franklin, Honey B. Evans, B.B., and John Paul Houlihan. Evidently, these were not the children's real names because they didn't have proper names. According to the police, five of the six children were uncommunicative and didn't seem to recognize common items or modern technology, such as typewriters, hot water, or electricity. The sixth and oldest child, Mary, showed signs of sexual abuse. Mary fortunately was able to communicate and give information to investigators. Here's some of what she said. Mary confirmed that the two men were indeed their teachers. However, she wasn't sure where they recently were or where they were going. When asked what her last name was, she replied, which one? She stated that they lived in Washington in a house with other children and adults. She and the other children mainly survived on a raw fruit and vegetable diet, but were visibly malnourished and only fed as a reward for good behavior. When asked what the two men taught them, she responded with, how to play games. She said they would receive instructions from their leader, a man known as the game caller or game leader later to be known as a man named Marion Petty. Based on what Mary said, the Tallahassee police decided to contact the DC police in an attempt to identify the six children, only to learn that they were already aware of this group who called themselves the Finders. According to a 1987 article from the Washington Post, one of the first newspapers to publicize this event, 
Records from the U.S. District Court in Washington showed that an anonymous, confidential source told authorities that the finders were a cult that conducted brainwashing techniques at a Northeast Washington warehouse and an apartment building near Glover Park. This source told of being recruited by the finders with promises of financial reward and sexual gratification and of being invited by one member to explore Satanism with them. According to the affidavit, the source told authorities that the children were used in rituals by the members, and though the source had never witnessed abuse of the children, the source said the children's grandparents feared for their safety. And so, on the following Thursday and Friday, Washington police raided these two areas that were given to them by this confidential police source. Furthermore, evidence found within the seized vehicle pointed to a 90-acre Virginia farm owned by a man named George Marion Petty. Virginia State Police were contacted to visit and search the area as well. At the warehouse in Washington, police found that the windows were boarded shut, and the building was padlocked with a heart-shaped lock. Inside were newspapers and mattresses scattered across various rooms, as if someone had lived there. On one wall were shelves with obscure books, and on the other was a huge map of the entire world. Most disturbingly, DC police uncovered large plastic bags filled with wallet-sized photographs. According to the US Customs Service, some of these photos were of children, similar to school photos, naked children, children engaged in what appeared to be cult rituals involving the slaughtering of goats with three men wearing white robes, and one photo in particular that showed a child in chains. At the apartment building near Glover Park, neighbors were questioned and confirmed that two of the photographed children lived in that building. They also explained that only women and children lived there, but that they would occasionally see men visiting the house. One woman said that the children were often so dirty that they were easy to notice. At the Virginia farm, neighbors reported that they often saw vans containing children that were brought to the farm. According to the Tampa Tribune, one of the neighbors, a woman named Wilma Richards, said, They'd be hollering and crying all the time, like they wanted something or something was hurting them. Wilma also explained that when she first met Marion Petty, he introduced himself as a Boy Scout leader. Although her and her husband were suspicious of the dozen or so men and children seen at their farm, they never phoned the authorities. On Friday, February 6th, Scott Hunt of the Tallahassee Police Department said, It is our belief these kids were not kidnapped, but that their parents gave them away, because one of the rites of passage into this satanic organization is that you have to give up your rights to your children, and that the leaders of this organization can do what they want with your children. It was around this time that a series of telephone death threats were being made towards the six children. The calls were described as brief and untraceable. Follow for part two. This is strange because the children were transferred to a private foster home, and the police were careful to keep their location a secret. The Palm Beach Post reported that the authorities do not know where the calls originated from or how they located the children. Whoa. 
That is some dark stuff right there, man. <laughs> Holy crap. That is heavy and dark. Demonic. Yeah. So there's that. Um, it, it is. It's very dark and demonic, but also we have to remember who's behind it, the CIA, and the connections that these people had, and why the children would be put in private foster homes and then returned to the mothers, uh, and why that lifestyle would be okay, why this would all be, again, back to McMartin, back to potentially Adam, and moving forward to even my children, there's there's correlations mm -hmm. to exactly all of this. So, um, yeah, that was a really that was a very good video. Um, but it also brings in this uh, denial in America of the satanic ritual abuse. And um, the Finders cult had a lot of. I'm I'm actually glad about that because I hate saying the dark stuff. You know me, Gino. Mm -hmm. So. I'm glad that uh you know that that depicted it well the the darker aspects and of course you know the the head uh what was his name there the head of the finders called he um i can only remember so many 20 billion everything I know. um but he uh he was actually called the the important thing is that they called him the cult called him the game uh the game caller excuse me the game caller so Basically, there that he would put out, you know, calls and instructions like a game, and the finders would go around and do what they were told to do. Mm -hmm. And I find it very interesting at the end there uh, to add, you know, for, aside from the the logistics, we don't need to rehash. You just watch the video, but uh, there it says, you know, the cult. Part of the cult is to give up your children to be raised by other people. Um, which I think is a huge thing to look into when we are looking at CPS, at the people that developed it mm. and, um, you know, family courts and things like that. And how that is panning out is very much that way. You know, children being given up to be raised by other people um, and, and that being along the satanic lines and occult uh, ritual uh, lines. Now, of course, the game caller, he uh, did agree to do an interview there's some wild photos we should have pulled those tonight i i'm sorry guys but there's some wild photos if you look at the at when the game caller actually agreed to um to do an interview and to talk with the police you know so this is paid opposition you guys this is like mm -hmm. the police pretending like they are handling this case for the public when really they're involved and you know the deep government is involved behind the scenes and then we see how that plays out same thing you will see with the mcmartin preschool case same thing you will see with the adam walsh case if you know we're saying we know that the ca is behind the finders but you know if, if the if these are you know we're looking at patterns here we're looking at these are playbooks that the that is that are used over and over again that always have similarities so and this is the cult i mean people think it's like you know project paperclip or you know think people say oh that never ended you know we know that never ended right well, the same thing with the Finders cult or, you know, NAMBLA, the North American Man Boy Lovers Association, said that it ended and everything when they're still having meetings to this day. It's like the Finders cult does still exist to this day. And they're in your communities. They are accountants, they're bankers, they're lawyers, they're CPS workers, and they're people that are close to your children that are taking them under the guise of being, you know, uh, community saviors, if you will. And that's what we have to start looking at. That's what we have to start, you know, whether 
they want to say, oh, I'm a finder, you know, I'm from the finder's call. No, that's not going to be it. But they're still operating. They're still doing this. And now we have this, like I said, on a bigger scale. Now we have it in our face. It's with our tax money, you know, in, in my perspective and with, you know, deriving it and studying it and all of that, the, the you know, deducing it down. That, you know, that's my assumption. When we do a comparative look at the finder's cult, Adam's case, and other child, sac- you know, I just said child sacrifice case. I mm-hmm. think that was a Freudian slip, guys. <laughs> Freudian slip, uh, yeah. Yeah, you know, child uh, crimes, is that what we're saying? Mm-hmm. Whether it's missing or murder or, you know, whatever, the, the larger cases. And then comparing those, you know, then to CPS and as well as the National Center and these systems that we're allowing that are now proving to be nefarious. Add social workers and judges to that in your uh, recipes complete to steal and traffic children. I include that. They are. Did you include that? Oh, I didn't hear you. I'm sorry. They are Mm -hmm. judges. They are accountants. They are the lawyers. Everybody. in the police department they are in they it this is an operation this is a cult and this is mm-hmm. what they believe and uh you know and it is satanic and we know that you know you can even correlate any of your freemasons or anything like that in those organizations um as having similar beliefs if not actually connected to it um so well that's what and then you could e- you could make one more connection with the cia i mean the caa creative arts association right in hollywood and now your dad becomes this big tv star on a burgeoning show that starts on on a brand new network back in 88 i mean if they're involved from the start and then the other you know arm of the cia is involved in entertainment it seems like a perfect you know hand and glove scenario i agree and then again it goes back to nobody looking at or even questioning because of the horrific narrative that was given or the situation no one does anyone know who john and revey walsh were before adam was taken did anyone ever look at that uh we see that it was very you know swept under the rug we see by joe matthews who later gains Mm -hmm. a lot and controls the narrative and falsely you know, accuses and convicts a dead man, by the way, we have a lot of these mm-hmm. dead men that are convicted after the fact. I want people also, that's a side note, but look at some of the cases and you'll see that a lot of dead men are uh, accused after, after yeah. the crime pin, done. Pin with the crime. Yeah. 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 It's dead again, men this don't fall talk. guy, it's a fall guy for these deeper culprits. Right. Man, that is, it, the connections, Megan, the more I think about it, because I, I know you've talked about this extensively over the last, especially over the last six months. And it's, I was making some of the connections, but you know it so well. And I, I was just kind of like surface learning. But after tonight, like you've really articulated it well, along with that video, and then just putting it together with like possibly the CAA and how that would all work together just perfectly to commit these heinous crimes against children and your dad being kind of the head of the whole thing being, you know, thrown thrust into the spotlight, into the limelight and becoming the hero of a nation. Like, wow, this guy overcame a horrendous situation with his own son. Look what he's doing. Look at all the good he's doing. He's rescuing children. He's getting scumbags off the street. And really it's just to hide it all. Yeah. 
Well, I, I mean, you know, if that's true. And I think that, you know, a lot of people, I know it's a lot, I've never said outright, my father sacrificed my son. I know a lot of people online and, you know, the internet, and they mean well, but, you know, oh, she says that he sacrificed his child and everything. No, I don't. I am, I am sick of these dramatized, like the whole point of my life is like the public was given this emotional narrative that then made them not question anything. Like, you know, I don't think that my, you know, I don't put it in those terms. I, I want people to understand how these things may have happened. Again, I was never there. So this is my opinion. This is, you know, my, my deriving from extensive and years and years and nights and long of study and research and history and all of it. And I've been very, you know, I've been, we know I've, how long have I been out speaking and, you know, I've been very careful you know, to wait for the time and with enough grounding and within myself knowledge to be able to present this possibility, um, which I find to be, no pun intended, I find to be uh, very viable, actually. Um, and, you know, again, with my parents' affiliations prior, their lifestyle leading up to it, having someone younger in the house that's sleeping with your wife, we see their promise financial and sexual gratification. My father did gain a lot of financial bone, you know, uh, you know, a lot of financial gain and, uh, <laughs> yeah. you know, he yeah. became a sex addict. So, mm -hmm. uh, you know, there's, there's, and my mom's being called a slut. So, you know, it's uh, it's fun, guys. So there's that. I mean, a lot I mean of fun. this is now annoying that I have to say this as many times. Um, but yeah, I mean, and and it's hard for me to talk about, to be honest. So please, everyone, have grace with me, and and um, you know, all of that when we're when we're talking about these things because it is hard for me. I I don't enjoy this whatsoever. Um, but I know that this is what we have to do. And I know that this is a duty. And I hope that more people will start to understand that things like this is their duty as well. Um, especially when right. we're talking about protecting our children, because this case changed a nation, and it changed, um, you know, how children were raised and how they grew up and how parents were able to parent and that trajectory moving forth for, you know, to present day now, which we're seeing that needs to have definite change. There's definitely, like I say, better ways to, uh, to what we're doing. But when we again can, can see Hillary Clinton and Margaret Sanger, Dr. Kinsey, you know, all this adding up to this, it takes a village. And then we see the government and the CIA enacting this you know finders operation i mean the name in itself is disgusting like the finders like mm -hmm. we're going to find you and we're going to get you and literally like with the take if we fast forward to today and the taking of my children that was an ambush that was a false flag event that my dad staged and made up and did the whole thing they're also doing it behind closed doors you know so um you know, to watch how it's kind of transpired and then to see how I was treated and the things that went down and how my children are being now taken and weaned from their mother um, and raised by nannies and others in a communal lifestyle um, to see even with my background in healing and psychology and things like knowing, looking at psychology and my background in healing and, and trauma, 
you know, for me to have grown up, you know, before my children were taken, I wasn't, I was not only an advocate already speaking out against the corruption and CPS um, and that being our child trafficking, but also I was developing what I thought was my inheritance. I wasn't just Oh, I'm so I get to sit on a fat farm or an island or something. I was literally developing a community learning farm, mm -hmm. you know, for the community. And which I bring that up because it's interesting. It reverts back to that natural lifestyle, the weaning from, I mean, it is finders cult. Like it would be like if I was a derivative or like an ex, you know, a grown up from that cult. I'm putting that, that sounds horrible the way I put it, but I've never really said it out loud before, but <laughs> you know, um, you know, if I had been raised in something of that programming and then grow up in, in that and, you know, they really downplayed it as, oh, we're just a group of people that live an alternative lifestyle. And, and what I was saying about, I, I totally lost track of it and we got on something else, but what I was saying about the game caller was that he actually did do his final inter interview in a Ronald Reagan mask. So anyone that follows me knows that, you know, my first stuff was with Ronald Reagan. Um, yeah, and, and and things like that. So it's yeah, it's, that pitch that picture's right here on screen, down in the left corner. Yeah, that's that's baby yeah, Megan being me. held by Ronald Reagan. Yeah, and that was the second time I actually was presented to him in the Rose Garden when I was about um, I think I was eight weeks old. Yeah, when we had Kathy O'Brien on a few weeks ago, actually mm -hmm. it's been longer than that. Uh, she actually had mentioned Reagan, and that was the one guy she wasn't. She said I. He, at that point, he hadn't been bought off yet. She felt like right. he was still maybe one of kind of teetering one way or the other. She wasn't sure. Um, but then you said you had that weird situation where you woke up and or remember being in cinder block room or yeah. something. I don't yeah. Know. Yeah. Well, we have yeah. the picture. Wait, where is it? Let me pull from my files. <laughs> while you're saying that megan i want to i want to defend something you said this is very hard you know to, to obviously it's your oh cool yeah so here we have i don't know with my background if we're gonna be able to see it but here we have a picture of my mother and so this was i'm gonna say something i'm gonna preface this because it's it's real so when everyone came out with this crazy QAnon stuff and saying, you know, which it, there's no real QAnon, it's QAnon, yeah. but anyways, yeah. um, I tell John Walsh that because he testified and said that, you know, call me a domestic terrorist, a Trumper and a QAnoner. So that I'm, I'm glad I was wearing a mask in court that day so no one could see my face. Uh, but... <laughs> Uh, when people start bringing up tunnels, which is very real, and that's why I want us all to find justice one day and be taken seriously if we can just ground these things because the media and paid opposition made it ridiculous. It was like the second coming of satanic panic so that we all look ridiculous when we're talking about it, okay? But when people started talking about tunnels, I was like, okay, this is a little crazy, but there are real aspects of it. And I literally just immediately recall, especially when people are like, there's tunnels under the White House, you know, all this. And I was like, well, duh, like under Disney, duh, like I've been in them. They take you as like a tour and stuff. And you don't know what's being done with them at night or, you know, when you're not there or different sure. things, right? So when people were saying tunnels under the White House, I was like, well, wait a second. Yeah, I mean, I know I remember cinder blocks. I can tell you like the spray painted stencils on the corners telling you to go this way and that way, you know, all that kind of stuff. And then I ironically, you know, I have some of this old paperwork because my parents, after they took my children, you know, wanted to 
further uh, do the psychological torment and drop off like a ton of random things at my house. Like you're out, you're done, you know, we've taken your kids and they happen to put a bunch of records in, in the stuff, you know, God is good. So anyways, and my dad wanted me to have like old keepsakes and pictures. So in the, in the packet that they gave me, there's like some from high, you know, from college and different things I have right here, but right in here, uh, when people were bringing up tunnels, I was like, well, that's not ridiculous because I've been in, I've been down, you know, in, in civilized tunnels. I'm not saying I was in scary tunnels, but is that a thing? Like civilized tunnels? Is that a thing? I guess. But, um, okay. Can we see? Okay. Now with my background, you're not going to be able to see it unless I go back. Okay. I had it for a second over here. So here's my mother. Here's me. Here is Senator Hawkins. Here is uh, Susie, uh, Susie Struthers. Um, so very nefarious Sa- people. And Sally, Sally Struthers. Sally, excuse me. Yeah, Sally yeah. Struthers. Um, and these are time out. Time out. Wasn't Sally Struthers the one that was always on the commercials saying kids are hungry and they need to be fed? Was that her? Yes, right here. Back in very the yeah, okay. bad I remember person. that. Yep. Very, very yeah. bad person. Um, and here I am on like a platform with carpet. There's like people standing back here behind me with the carpet like lower. It's hard to do this backwards. Sorry, guys. The carpet's lower here. And then I'm on like a platform with some kind of like pillows back here. And here's my mother. We always had pearls on. And I always had princess dresses with a short haircut like a boy. And then right back here. It's hard because I can't put it closer because the background, but right here is a complete raw exposed cinder blocks. I don't know if you can see that. Sorry. I'm not a salesperson. I can, on I can see it. Yeah, so yeah. anyways, I've posted it many times. If, if you, you know, go to my Twitter, I mean, mm-hmm. not many times, but I have posted it like one or two times before, um, you know, and then here I am in the same outfit that day. Oh, jeepers guys. This here the same outfit but i'm above ground at the white house and here's all the people catering to me and you know grooming me and Hmm. so we keep going real quick guys because it's right here here's me and my distant cousin you can't see but here's drew barrymore Mm -hmm. as a child anyways so but i want i pulled those because the tunnels and and under the white house and different things that people well, I love how they jump to this like thing. Oh, these people are crazy and they're conspiracy theorists and all these, you know, names and labels they give us, but it's always hyper sense, uh, sensationalized. You ever notice that? Like if it's true, they're going to go way to the, to the extreme with it so that it sounds crazy. That's what they do with everything. And I, I know everybody watching this show, they understand that they've been, you know, we've been awake for a long time. Well, it's like the skin mags, you know, like inquire, you know, the yeah. globe user, you know, exactly. all this used to be like, Oh, don't ever, I remember growing up and be like, you don't even look at that it's like the oh that's so ridiculous that's so crazy and then we have my father you know on the cover of the globe topless with a girl Mm -hmm. with a massage tool epstein style i don't know what's going Mm -hmm. on here you know and then i knew about that was a very real story that was on the globe Mm -hmm. you know and so i mean even the inquirer in the beginning of my children being taken have reached out to me and i wouldn't give an exclusive to anyone because i knew that that was a controlled narrative then and they asked mm-hmm. me for an exclusive and I turned it down. So they remained quiet about it. everyone that, that asked me for the exclusive project Veritas did, 
Um, and when I turn down the exclusives, then they don't want to talk about it. They because, go away. Yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. I wanted to say something you said earlier, you know, this is hard coming out against your parents and it's, it's, I get that, but I want the audience to understand why Megan's doing this. If you don't know. Okay. She was pushed into a corner because her parents took her children away. This, it, this is very simple. They came in, they took her children. Four children have been taken from Megan's custody by her parents. So what is a mom supposed to do? Is she supposed to just go away and say, well, I guess they won, well, you know, wanna, game I over. I you off for a second, actually, because yeah. I love where you're going, but I was yeah. doing this work about child trafficking and being CPS sure. before my children were ever taken. I was questioning Adam's murder before they were taken. I was giving information to my father about different trafficking situations that I had seen or not seen, but had, had been given a lot of evidence and led to and, and yes, seen parts of through the industry. Okay. And to my father, I was giving him information about other cases of little girls being raped by their father in, you know, in their own, in his, in my father's hometown connected through the sheriff's department. And I'm thinking that I'm, you know, doing what's right. I'm thinking that that's what my family does. We are, it's mm. John Walsh. I mean, we, we expose people, right. we, in terms of child protection and, you know, protecting children and apprehending these predators, you know, and all this stuff. So I'm thinking that it's going to be like, you know, a good thing. Right. And then when I start really questioning, you know, who hypnotized, why was my mother hypnotized? You know, uh, was it like Cindy McCain said about Epstein? You all knew what, you know, was going on, but you didn't know what to do about it. You're the manhunter child protector. Like what, what's up dad? Why, what are you guys doing about it? When I see the center, the national center stating that 88 to 92%, that's only the reported of child trafficking domestically in America comes from our foster care system, but then I see them doing nothing about it. They don't even put foster care on their uh, website. It's missing from care, like a babysitter or somebody took you, you know? Um, so when these things didn't start adding up and I started really questioning, and then I started speaking up about the abuse that I had experienced personally, you know, I kept grace about that. I don't, you know, because I don't come out and I don't say anything. And I, and I, I love you, Gino, but I didn't come out revealing this stuff because my children were taken. I was already talking about this stuff. I thought my parents would love to know if there were discrepancies in their son's murder case that maybe we could find a real reason. I never would have thought that all of the evidence would point to them, you know, or their lover or people associated to, him, to them which we know is statistically more likely than three national serial killers. Um, you know, I, di I didn't think that stuff. And so I thought that, you know, what I was doing is something that would make my family proud that my dad and I could bond over, you know, he was my life, you know, and, and, but then I also was speaking out, you know, with my training, with having more outside experiences than, interior experiences in the family at that point, as well as, you know, my career being, you know, uh, healing and, and being a therapist, you know, uh, excuse me, focused on trauma and specializing in trauma, 
you know, that, that stemmed from me getting my own support. You know, I had started realizing things and I've always been the black sheep of my family. Um, you know, there's many situations that I've, I've briefly touched on in other interviews in the year, the past two years about passages, Malibu and different instances, um, and, and the way that I was brought up and the treatment I got. So when I started becoming, you know, when I became a mother and I started seeing my parents with my children also and when I was with my children um you know you start realizing a lot that's human nature you start realizing a lot you look at how your parents brought you up you know stuff like that and and I did see them you know whacking my kids once in a while like they did to me or you know alienating my daughter from me with their money and you know all the, it's like, you know, they say like the pedophiles groom kids with candy. It's like, I literally, my quote is that I didn't want my kids growing up like I did with the cake and cookie and candy. You know, it's like my parents would abuse us. And then they'd say, here's all the material things. We'll take you shopping. You know, here's, here's this mansion you live in. You should be so glad. And that's exactly what I didn't want my children growing up in. I was advocating for children across this world because everyone was focusing or across this country, excuse me, and the, and the world, um, because it is global and it's not some crazy global pedophile ring, like in that, in that energy space, it's a very realistic issue that is going on. Um, but you know, I started speaking up about that and advocating because I knew that it was more than the Epstein list. I kept hearing this and I, I said, you know, First of all, Les Wexner, who's the funder of Epstein and, you know, gave him his whole power and power of attorney and everything is a huge donor to the National Center through L Brands. And, you know, we have all the we have Richard Branson and Hillary Clinton and the World Economic Forum and everyone. Jeff Koons, like one of the biggest creeps in our country that no one has any idea about who's behind a lot of this. And, you know, growing up on the inside, knowing these things, I obviously naturally made those connections and then questioned that. Um, my dad used to always say I should have been on the debate team and I should have been a lawyer. And my mom was always mad, like I said, that I wasn't in politics. But I don't mean to be long winded on it and go off of what you're saying, cut you up, because I do respect that, Gino, and your sentiment is real. But I need people to understand that this what this is retaliation to silence me. My father and mother wish that I would unalive myself and break because they know that my children are my world. And that's why they did that. And they know that everybody's children are what I care about. I care about not just, and that's another thing is it's not just about the children. I care about families because I care about children. What breaks children is not having their families, not knowing their families, not knowing their place of origin. And for us to deny that as a society is so ignorant and destructive and only sets us up for failure. So I know that, and that's why I do this every day. That's why I stand up because I want, fiction, Gino, will only create more fiction. My case was fiction. It's only created more fiction. And now my children are gone. CPS is creating fiction to take kids. And it's only making more fiction in all the craziness, right? Of tunnels and da 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 So we see that this is real. So for me, it is about getting to the root of the situations. When we know 88 to 92% only reported is from, you know, the child trafficking is from foster care. Why aren't we ending foster care right now? Why aren't we nationally making an outcry as the people to end the foster care system, to end CPS. We know the Title IV funding. We're totally going off of, you know, the, the content from tonight. But I think that this is important that you bring this up. And, and that is part of why I do it. So that's why I'm talking about this. 
we know the title four fundings there. We know the breakdown. We know the history behind it. We know how we all got to this. And this is not a conspiracy for people to keep going on with that or to even buy into that is just, I mean, it's, it's, a you know, you're, you're, I hate to do that. Like if you're silent, then you're part of it. But John Walsh himself says that silence is guilt. So he's been silent so far. And if America keeps being silent, then, you know, let's follow his lead since everyone wants to, you know, keep, you know, finding yeah. him as hero. And I know who I'm talking about. I want everyone to know that. I don't think I've said that on the show uh, yet in our four episodes. Um, but I know I understand who I'm talking about. I mean, this was my savior. This was my savior. Mm-hmm. And you know, and, and when my real savior's in heaven, that's how, that's how messed up it is. You know, he was my world and I wasn't even, you know, acknowledging my father in heaven at that point. I mean, yes, I'd always had a connection. We know I went into, you know, I've been a religious scholar for over 20 years because I just love God and I want to know the truth and I'm making my way. But the point is, is that it, you know, God was not in my, it, it, it left my family. Um, and, and what was there was a Catholic, you know, presence to begin with. So anyways, that's getting off, off track, but I just wanted to say that that's why I do it. I thought that my parents, you know, would be proud. I thought the work that I was doing, I know the work that I am doing was good. It is good. And, and, you know, and it's what is necessary, but I thought that John Revae Walsh, the notorious child saviors would really be proud of me. And instead it got real squirrely, real gnarly. And then all of a sudden I'm ambushed. And in a day I'm a child abuser. I'm a drug addict. I'm mentally ill. I'm everything that actually they are um, setting case precedent against everybody in this country by uh, doing this behind closed doors. And, you know, people can keep ignoring it, but it will be the reason why they're on your doorstep. It is pre-crime. It's minority report. It's predictive programming. Mm -hmm. My father is the king of predictive programming. He's gotten facial recognition in this country based on terrorists and kidnappers. He's gotten civil sex offender registries that everyone thinks is just for pedophiles that are horribly ruining people that were not ever pedophiles in their life. Um, you know, things of that nature. So I I hope that we can start really looking at these things. It is hard, but I hope that we can really, you know, as an ex-meditation teacher and before I left all the new age and denounced it all and everything that I was trained in and that they supported and like the high, you know, energy, kundalini, you know, all that kind of stuff. You know, we need to ground this stuff. We, you know, under the Lord, we can really correct this and we have to get back to the roots. So that's my long-winded interruption no i'm glad you interrupted me and clarified it i already knew all i already knew that i know the reason why you do this i was just i don't want to put out that it's because you know she her kids were taken that she started coming out i'm i'm not that no you were i know you were already anything i get it you know i didn't keep things under the rug like at all that's why i was the black sheep that's why i have endured all of this my entire life I've had to be the adult in this crazy town of John and Reve Walsh. I mean, it's a whole world in itself, especially on an, I, I called that our house on the Island, you know, the shining house and stuff. So growing up. Um, but I, I think it's important to uh, just articulate that. That's, that's all. I yeah. I'm glad you did. I, it's just, I know there's a lot of new viewers that might not know your story and it's important to know that the, just like you said, the man and woman that are supposedly protecting America from these monsters taking our kids are actually, I mean, how ironic, and I use that loosely, is it that they took their daughter's children? 
Like, they know the damage that's done. They had their own son supposedly taken from them. And they're they're doing the same thing to their daughter. Well, and then, not. But they're protecting <laughs> America from that not happening? Yeah. Like, that makes no sense. And then sell the baby to a foster home in, in a not great area of town. Let's just put it that way. Which is actually right. a hub. She's in the hub. In, one of the hubs in Florida for child trafficking is Fort Pierce, where people that do, you know, we have a lot of patriots and I love you guys, but if you know, then that's where Trump is actually, you know, his federal stuff was and you know, all that is Fort Pierce. So it is a, it's, it's nondescript, but it's actually very significant and it's, it's weird. Um, but that is a hub and that's where she is. So when we see them doing this and then I think Gino in the future will do, maybe that'll be another special we do. We've got some special guys, specials guys that we're coming up with because, uh, you know, they're kind of more pointed topics or bigger topics, but I think that, uh, maybe Gino, we should do a comparison of the allegations against me versus, uh, the realities of Adam. That'd be good. Yeah, that'd be good. In my files, for example, guys, to tease you a little bit. Oh, I'm getting good at this now. <laughs> Naturally, <laughs> to, te to tease you guys a little bit, uh, you know, for instance, I was accused of um, having my paramour, quote unquote, like I said earlier, sleep in bed with my children when we know that that was uh, actually, you know, something that we do factually know in the records about. Adam. So I just want to remind people of that. So that's what I'm talking about. When we look at the allegations against me, they are literally the allegations or the realities of what was going on with my parents and Adam at the time. So that leads classic to ask, projection. Oh, is there a, it is classic production. This is narcissistic abuse, coercive control, whichever you feel more comfortable with um, and more. Uh, and, and I did have, you know, a level of Stockholm, you know, these are my parents and you're just so blessed to be rich, you know, be glad. Um, so anyways, but we will get into that, you know, and, and seeing whether, you know, ha looking at Adam's case versus mine, again, the, the allegations and the layout of my case is very scary. I, I that's not the word, but you know, very scary. Would you say Gino of how? um correlating they are and how it's, exact they are it's eerie it's very eerie to me but i want to say this i think it's amazing that you broke the program you deprogrammed you didn't do exactly as you were supposed to what they had raised you to do and you've come out and you're bravely speaking truth right now and this is what it is it's truth You've made no allegations. You're just stating facts, truth and facts. And when it has been a speculation, we've made it perfectly clear that we're speculating yeah. about things. And opinion. I think that's important for everybody to know. Yeah, it's an opinion. And I mean, I, I'm just, I I'm, I've I seen you. trafficked and brought well, up through Right, topic. exactly. But I, I've known you for two years and I've never known you to lie. You've never lied. You've told the same story from the beginning. Like it's never varied. I can't say the same for other people. We all have crap, you know. We all have crap. <laughs> yeah. I've got mm -hmm. four babies with four different daddies. Everyone right. can, mm -hmm. you know, judge that all they want. But actually, if uh, a big thing about what another purpose of this, you know, is I just want people to start realizing that, you know, it's I watch Twitter ever now X every day, and people are so foul and. Um, just the level of depravity or like uh, just judgment and attacking each other and all this mm -hmm. stuff. Like we don't all have shit, right? Like I said, I think I said crap right. the last episode, but 
We all have crap. And wow, that's like the first time I've really sworn. Excuse me. I'm sorry. Um, but, you know, we all have crap. And, you know, we like our, our part of my work before all of this, this is like what I have to do. This is a duty. And I wish every American would start looking at this as such because it's theirs as well. You know, I had a job, I had a career that I, you know, I left fashion, I left music for so that I could study and help people heal their trauma and, and more so, so that I could show better ways to live in the future, you know, toxin-free living, biohacking, you know, activating your, your body's own healing abilities and everything that we're realizing through the COVID stuff, you know, that's really what my purpose was before. And I want to get back to that. I'm, I am so ready for everyone to realize this and, and get it over with so that we can move into spaces of support and healing for all of these families in our country right here in America that need to be reunited and, and the babies that need to be returned. And we need to be working towards providing those spaces like I was trying to do with the family learning farm, you know, not knowing that it would be to receive, you know, that sort of a name, I thought it would be in more of a general communal sense or community sense. But, you know, I want to say we're all out here, patriots, and I hope I hope liberals, I'm, I'm crossing the line, you guys. This is not a political thing. I, I did Women Against Registry. I met some amazing people in the, in the liberal sector that are doing great things um, on Capitol Hill, and they're amazing, and they're actually sophisticated and organized and calm and grounded. I, you know, I give credit where it's due. I'm not here. Like, I, I'm not on a team. I'm on God's team, and that's all, and I'm here for children and families. So we need to start, stop focusing on the children because it's a violation of their rights, actually. Children have rights, and one of those main rights is the right to their biological families. And if our government wants to be intervening, you know, we got off Adam, but, you know, in, in our usual topics, but, you know, if, if our government wants to be intervening, then intervene and give support and, and um, you know, aid and all of that to parents that are struggling across America, especially in today's uh atmosphere and climate, if you will. And then, you know, that affects the children's environments. That stops drug abuse. That stops part, you know, huge percentages of drug abuse, domestic violence, uh, you know, homelessness, all of these things. We're, we're literally throwing away parents and our neighbor to get the kid, the system is, you know, and we're going along with it at this point. It's like, throw out the baby with the bathwater, but keep the baby and throw the bathwater consists of the family and the community and everything. So throw that out and just get the baby, give them a new family. They'll be good. They'll be just so happy. But you know, the reason why we have these issues with trapping is because they're all running away. So, you know, make it make sense at this point. So I can't get down with that anymore. We have the science, we have the statistics and I'm meeting people across political divide and everything uh, so that we can really get this done. Because once we get it done, we need to, you know, we need, we have a lot to do. And my point in all that long winded is that we've spent years spreading this awareness. I will say tonight that we're going to con obviously continue this show to talk about Adam and other cold cases and things, but everything that I need to put out, I've already put out. 
I've endured two and a half years of terrorism. I have grown and birthed a beautiful baby in the middle of all of that after losing three of mine. The country has completely ignored uh, you know, anyone that matters. I mean, I'm sorry, excuse me, I digress. The country has supported me, the good people of this country, and everyone that's supposed to be oathed, even oathed and paid with our taxpayer money to protect us has failed us. And we, you know, if this is happening to us, it will happen to you. And it already is. I hate that. Like if it happens to me, it'll happen to you, but it is a reality because it's already happening to you and it's happening in your communities. And with my, with the pre-crime and, you know, we already have people being held in shadow prisons in our in our country and pre-crime units um, after they've served their time. And I don't think many people are aware of that. Um, but we need to be looking at the fact that my father behind closed doors is not only selling children, his own grandchildren and, and newborn babies, essentially, um, but he is also setting precedent uh, that any, any children can be taken based on any preconceived notion of potential abuse. Um, the quote in the documents is something along the lines of potential future adverse events deemed so essentially they can take your children now because of my father and and injuring his own family um he is brainwashing and abusing my children and they've been ignored even by the state and that's how this goes the state has even failed my father furthermore they've failed john walsh DeSantis. I have no words. We came, we came with grace and truth and we've asked to meet, we've asked for the right thing to be done. We've come with grace and truth for justice and peace. And I will never say it, stop saying that until the day I die. So, which God willing is a, a long, long time from here. Cause we have a lot of work to do. So that's where I want to, you know, kind of promote people or push people to really be looking at, we've spread the awareness. I put out all the facts that I can and, and we keep doing it and keep doing it. We'll repeat and repeat until we get this done. But the sooner we get this done, we need to realize that we also have been wasting a lot of time when we need to be setting up uh, a response to this issue. Um, a lot of people are gung ho that this is real and understand that this is real. And that's, that's, freaking amazing okay we're at a huge point right now and, and people have been fighting for their children for decades um but we also need to realize that now we have a responsibility and it's time to move towards creating uh you know the response to this and that's also why i created protect american families that's why we are starting chapters uh in every state if you're interested in starting your own chapter please reach out to me um, but also please know that this is a we the people grassroots organization effort does not or it's actually an effort so um, please I say that because it's not my responsibility to inform you please keep up with uh, the fact that we will be launching Geno's on the board guys where we've got an amazing little board going on and um, we will be launching a website at the end of this month that will have information for those that would like to start uh, local chapters um, as well as how they're going to do that and, and moving forward there and a lot of other resources but you know this is this is a very simple grassroots and will be a very effective um, move forward and push but we need to be providing those spaces uh, we need to be emulating that in, in different areas so that, the, that there is a, a coverage of that for the amount of people that will be reunited 
and their children uh, brought home. It's time. It is. This is the moment. This is the time. And we cannot sit on our hands any longer. We have to do something. Otherwise, we're just not a country anymore. It'll fall so fast. That's that's the goal. The ultimate goal is to destroy the, take God out, destroy the family, and then you lose your country. It happens. It, you can see it all through history. The same patterns, and it's and it's sick because it always revolves around children and the abuse of the children. Mm-hmm. The devil mm-hmm. doesn't quit. And I'm not responsible for you know the things that my father has done, you know, mm-hmm. and and the ways that it's affected people. But I am willing to stand up and say it's time to do what's right and i'm here to show up and and do everything i can to do that and that that first and foremost is is our children and families yeah. you're the first family of crime fighting and you're actually going to do the crime fighting which i think is amazing <laughs> like i think it's going to be an amazing joke, thing her today like am i the actual man hunter like my dad had this show he's known as the man hunter i'm like what is this what the heck you know mysterious ways not, not very very the Lord, it's a mysterious way so you know what i'm going to show up for the lord and and you know people might not understand my past or different things but it is because i have followed i felt like that i've been following the lord mm-hmm. and, and it's done me quite well um in that respect you know not to say that i haven't made mistakes or bad sure. decisions but that was in the flesh so who when hasn't? i follow the lord we we're doing good yeah who hasn't made mistakes that's not that's not what life's about. We learn from our mistakes. We don't stay in our mistakes and that's fine. We're moving forward. We're doing good things. And I know it's great. There's a, there's a nice audience out there watching tonight, especially here on rumble. Thank you. Thank you guys. Which and over on Fox. Chat and stuff before we're, yeah, the chats, we're the chats. Doing pretty good. We're not like too crazy. Tonight, no, it's two know? and a half, two hours, 15 minutes. Um, yeah. If anybody's got any questions or comments, go ahead and put them in. In fact, while, while we're waiting to see if there's any comments, or or criticism if you have criticisms we'll we'll take those too this is a free speech platform we're like an off-the-cuff show this isn't like some scripted produced no No. you know whole presentation every night so know when you're joining that we're just talking and we want to know what you have to think and we're might skip around especially me with all the trauma and information so you know it is what we're here well but i do want to say that about everything you Everything you said, though, Megan, does tie back to to Adam. I mean, I know you kind of went off and talked about these other things, but that's the origins of all this is Adam's case. So, like, it's it's not really off the cuff. And I mean, yes, we you know, in in future shows, we will be dedicating the whole show to like when we get to the evidence for sure. I mean, there's just tons of evidence to go over and present. uh, So we'll stay on track with that stuff. But I don't like these tangents are important so that people understand why we're doing it. The real oh, yeah. goal is and to end the nonsense at some point, yeah, right? Yeah, and we need to have these conversations. I mean, yes, I think that, and that's why I preface it. I don't feel bad. I'm not prefacing that we're, you know, not, you know, perfectly produced or professionally produced or any of that. I want people to understand that this is what needs to be going on. You know, we need to have these conversations. We're talking off the cuff. We're not perfect. We're asking questions. We want to hear from you all. And, and, and that's what the beauty of this is, right? So... If you don't appreciate it, you know, I don't know. I'm just kidding. Just, you know, that that's what, this is a different way about it. You know, if we, if we, you know, patriots and different people that do understand this and want to create a reaction to it or something that is correcting it or different, you know, then don't recreate, like, remember to follow your own rules. You know, I've been saying that since the 
you know, Sound of Freedom and Tim Ballard. So, right. you know, Patriots, don't forget to follow your own rules because this is huge film. It was an amazing film. I'm just going <laughs> to at the end because it's getting late. But Trump with this film. 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 Look up. It's a thread. It means a thread. So, um, you know, I think that we need to be looking and just, you know, not be afraid to question things and not be afraid to be wrong and not be afraid to have stuff in our past because our hardships are our greatest life directors. And that's mm -hmm. what I was alluding to earlier with the work that I was doing before and what I've dedicated my heart to and I can't wait to get back to is really to be, you know, with families, with children and with my fellow neighbors who society wants to discard while they just get their kids and sell them off that really, you know, be able to come together as, as peers and be able to say, you know, our hardships are our greatest life directors and we're all unique and all of our hardships are absolutely unique to each other, but there are very, there are very much commonalities, right. That God provides so that, you know, not only can we find our groups and, and we can find our purpose, but through those hardships and the lessons, we became, we become like experts, right? You can't know what you haven't experienced. So you become like an expert once you've experienced for point's sake. But what I'm alluding to is the fact that our hardships can be our greatest life directors, and especially in terms of how we can help others and what you've experienced. And that kind of even eliminates competition, if you will. I'll, I'll go that far. So if we're all kind of following what God gave us and the hardships that he gave us so that we can become sharpened and we can learn and, and that's how we can really help people that we see you know, subsequently experiencing similar issues. And, and there's a lot of us across this country now, especially dealing with family courts and CPS. It's, it's terrorizing a lot more than people realize. And we can't, and they aren't realizing it because parents that do speak out or even that does speak out is retaliated, they're gagged, they're threatened, jailed, they're falsely arrested, their kids are taken. And you're looking at one that can attest to all of that. Mm -hmm. So. So Tanya Elder said, what was the reason they stopped printing missing children on milk cartons? How long did it go on for? And did any other countries do that? No, other countries did not do that. Mm -mm. Um, you know, there were methods. So first of all, trafficking was done through the postmaster general. And that's why post the, the post office is significant. Milk cartons. Uh, before the milk cartons, it was catalogs, Sears and JC Penney's. Ironically, Sears was known. Um, and JC Penney, uh, then it went to milk cartons, then it went to missing flyers with Adam. My father was this genius that came up with the missing flyers from his marketing background as the, as the account. Uh, and so they became this national thing. And then from there, we've had you know, all these, you know, uh, Amber Alert, <laughs> which is another doozy that I get into in my other work, how that's really keeping the, the product and their trafficking system uh, contained. And if, you're, if your product gets away, send out an Amber Alert, or they use it as retaliation, as mm -hmm. we know with the case of Yeshua and Othello, um, which I highly encourage people to go look at i'll say it every time on twitter their handle is uh, teachers against trafficking 
again, Teachers Against Trafficking. You can go look there and see the story of, um, currently he's 16, I believe, uh, Yeshua and his father, Othello, who actually was an employee of the DOJ and won a bid uh, through the, you know, over the union and, and over National Center. And uh, his son, he was framed through Amber Alert and his son Yeshua was taken at seven years old, given to the maternal grandmother who had been trafficking his own mother since she was three years old. So put into a trafficking family. This is at home trafficking. And, um, and he was sold out from age seven to 15 uh, when he actually reunited with his dad and, and I was, you know, in the mix of that, uh, not like not a part of their reunification, but that's when I heard about their story mm. and Yeshua was still putting out cries for help from his cell phone and different things. And I did reach out to them uh, and they have been reunited and now they are speaking out. Uh, they have also filed like myself, a federal RICO uh, against the people involved, and and that is John Walsh and Obama and uh, Kamala Harris and and others associated through the Las Vegas metro uh, area and police department and things like that. So there's a lot of ties. It is not that crazy. It's not that disconnected. It's actually very connected. These are small circles. These are police departments. Uh, these are CPS departments. These are judges and attorneys and and so forth so we have to look at that when when we're also talking about you know why we're why we're doing this tanya said so the milk cartons weren't for good no uh what it was is to get you prepared for everything else that was going to come later it's all a catalog just like megan said it's the sick nefarious thing about this is it to the general public you look at that stuff and i mean like i we i think we all fell for it at one point you know you're like oh my gosh this kid's missing and this is horrible right and it creates this fear porn all through the through the states that people are just disappearing all of a sudden especially children stranger danger but, stranger danger and then all of a sudden but but what they're actually doing is prepping these kids for trafficking and so it's 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 like free advertising it's like They're it's also, disgusting. It is free advertising, and then from that, then they can say, "Oh, this is all happening." So now we need you to you. You should fingerprint your child. You should submit your child's DNA. Now, Life Touch uploads every uh, school right, photograph right. without the parent's knowledge or consent yep. to a database. So what they are creating, it's it's opposition. It's predictive programming. It's opposition to give you to it's hegelian dialect problem mm -hmm. reaction solution they're creating a problem they're watching and knowing the reaction and then they're giving you the solution that benefits them and that was what i grew up with in my household and in my upbringing my entire life and that's why i started speaking out that's why i was leaving my parents and taking my children with me and it's actually, my situation is actually a severe domestic violence situation, which my father has a track record for. And I made the mistake of saying, letting them know what I was doing. And, uh, and they, you know, people, it's sad when the system doesn't acknowledge the fact that when, a, a, you know, someone that's being abused and especially with their children actually leave the abuser, that is the most dangerous time for them. Uh, when they can be killed or different things can happen. And then we see what happened with John and Rafe Walsh. And that's what they were doing before. They were coming to my house and banging on the doors. I mean, you know, my children, I terrified inside the house. I have support and outside help that I finally went no contact. I mean, people have 
literally no idea. Um, and that's where I really bring up my two big notions, Gina, that I'll be quiet, I'll shut up tonight after, but it's narrative versus truth and it's public persona versus private life. And I really hope that people can ground those concepts and think about what that means. Uh, it'll, it'll change a lot and create, I create a lot of peace actually. I think so. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah. Tanya, she said, Oh my God, once again, beyond beeped up. Yeah, it is. And they were just the technology had to catch up. Right. So, I mean, with the Amber alert, that's, that's the one that's really, really disgusting. I mean, because it, again, the surface level there, these people aren't stupid. They designed things. Your children to be yeah. born now into a system where we have to do a crime to get our fingerprints, but they've suckered us into getting our children, getting our children's and giving it to them. So now mm -hmm. all of our children are being born in some sort of data and Obamacare, but that's how they're being medically kidnapped and everything. And that is data. So they have every aspect of data on your child and you by the way, which then they're taking people like we saw with every other area of politics right now in the government, they are starting to, and they did it to me, they gather through the fusion centers and, you know, all these different things and finders cult is all involved in this. They're all the eyes, um, but they are looking at what your lifestyle is and they are targeting people, you know, that, that are living a lifestyle that they don't like homeschooling not giving their kids the vaccine, um, you know, going to Christians, uh, you know, and my dad made sure, you know, Gino, they made sure to hit every bit of that on the head uh, to cover in my case, to be able to use against all of you to take your children. So we can wait till it's on our doorstep, like the American uh, dream loves to do and, and the usual way of life. Or we can actually go like, wow, we're not, we're not going to do this. Like we can easily end this and we're not ever letting this even close to, to what this could be or what they want. Because it's, it's happening. It's already right, happening. Right. You can go back to 9-11, the Patriot Act. They use these false flags. And yes, I'm using that statement, a false flag, to institute these new regulations, new rules, new technologies for surveillance, for control, for stealing your children. It's the, it, it's the oldest trick in the book, create the crisis and give the solution. Yeah. And what better, I mean, honestly, I look, I will, I will give them their, the props. I mean, it is a, it's a brilliantly yeah. evil plan and they've done an amazing job of selling it. And it, just like give you said, the, the catalogs, give them, give them the, the marketing, marketing, oh, the marketing's give incredible. The scripts. Oh, mm -hmm. oh, the parents must yeah. have done something. Oh, there's yeah. more to the story. I mean, we literally, That's the right. public, I hope you all realize you all are repeating scripts if you do that. So then we know the reality is not such over 80% now at this point of removals of children are unfounded in this country. This is, if and the fact that we don't look at this statistically and logistically and this was a business which it is it's a business this is a failing like significantly almost a hundred percent failing business that we are continue to allow our hard-working taxpayer dollars to go to while we can't even afford groceries people are losing their homes and everything and what does that do that opens up your children that makes them more vulnerable so your money is being taken so that these administrators and these traffickers can profit so that then they can go take your children eventually after taking your money. 
so that they can fulfill their quotas, which one of the recent senators or congressmen even stated flat out is a bounty on your children's heads. Okay? That's where we are at in America. And they have a bounty on your kid's head and they will kill you to get, or make you, you know, unalive yourself or destroy your life to get that child and get that money. And they don't, they do not care. And that is the reality. I mean, look, I've been here for two and a half years and I have been called crazy up and down and I will still like call me it all day. I do not care because I know the truth. You do not phase me. Like when you know the truth and you have the truth and you know better solutions and you see it coming out everywhere, I'm good. Yeah. Now you're just the, you know. I, I think you're kind of preaching to the choir. I think you're preaching to the choir here, though. I think most I, I of the people in this audience understand all this stuff, but there are people that still don't get it. They just don't get it. They well, think. We need people to vocalize. I, I want to give support to that because we need people to vocalize and be, be talking in their communities and, and having those hard talks with their friends and family. I grew up in a country, Megan, that CPS were the good guys. That's the country I grew up in. And I, and I bought it hook, line, and sinker. I thought, okay, yeah, these are abusive parents you know, they're on drugs, whatever, and take their kids and yeah, give them to somebody that cares, right? Throw them in that system where they'll be cared for. And that, it, I don't know what the actual numbers are that that happens. It is so minuscule that CPS is useless when it comes to doing the right thing. We know that. Just like Megan said, this is an institute that, I mean, let's face it, I, I the CIA ties. Megan, I, that's such a great point that you brought up like it's, it's, it's so it's, it's, it's so it's got it, it the the similarities and the you just see the trademarks and the stamps that 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 organ that uh, uh intelligence agency has done over the years it's the same thing and that makes the probably the most sense i've ever heard and it's collusion sick with the fbi collusion yeah. it's all they're all in collusion service. yeah the secret service some of the police departments the, the sheriffs you know, now I realize why, you know, I never liked politics and my parents were always mad. I don't know. Maybe they shouldn't have been <laughs> mad. They should have encouraged me never to yeah. look at politics. <laughs> I don't really? know. But <laughs> anyways, you know, I, I'm, I think we covered, you know, a good little bit. We wanted to give also you guys a little bit of break on just reviewing mm -hmm. documents over and over again. It's, it's a lot. And, and so we wanted to make this a little bit different tonight and, throw some stuff out at you and, and just kind of talk about, you know, why we're doing this and what the bigger issues are, um, you know, and, and we hope that you found that valuable and, and, uh, you know, enjoyed yourselves. We'll be back next week, but, you know, I, I think that this is important and, and I'm, I thank you, Gino, every week that we do this and you've always pushed me to, to do this. So we're here. But please, everyone, I don't know if we're ignoring anyone in comments. I want to be, you know, courteous of that. If we're not, that's good, too. If everyone's just, you know, we're good. doesn't want we're to good. say anything, that's nope. okay. <laughs> Lot, just lots of lurkers. So uh, it's Tanya said, I think we all did at one point, Gino. It's just devastating when you find out all this shit out. Yeah, there's no doubt about that. It is devastating. Well, it's devastating. You know what? But it's devastating, but we can't let it keep us down. You can't let it suppress no. No, you have to stand up to this evil. Like, what what happens? No, like, what are we just going to let them? We don't let them win. That's not how it works. No, they and, don't win. They uh, God no. already won. We know that. Yeah. It's just a matter of like when the light overtakes this darkness. It's like a wave. Like 
it's just a matter of time for the light to overtake the dark. And we speed that up by realizing these things under God. We're a nation founded under God, right? Liberty and justice for all. That is yes. not what's happening right now. And that makes it every American's duty um, to, to talk about these things. So it's just a matter of time. It's, it's hard to talk about these things, it but it should be really freeing because... It, you know what to find out that seven percent of you know of se- child sex crimes are actually from strangers and pedophiles that's a big deal that's, y'all that is like, yeah that's, that's huge that's minuscule compared to happening in your family about that Absolutely. to find out that 77 to 80 percent of you know, removals are unfounded mm-hmm. and to find out that CPS is hindering case plans or falsifying documents or doing these things from the government. That's an amazing thing because that means we don't have these issues necessarily in our community. And that when they are real, we're not negating that they aren't real when they are real, we can actually do something about it. And like Ted Gunderson says, you know, mm-hmm. what did the national center quote that they found 94 children and like their existence at that point at 96 or 98 when he was making that speech and he love that man rest in peace you're with us every day but like he was the one to stand out and say like give me that money and i watch what i do with it and i literally have to say i feel the same way that's what i feel like you know what Mm -hmm. let's take that 40 million dollars of federal funding from the national center for missing exploited children let's get it over to to fund protect american families let's correct what's happened i mean they can't do anything without their federal funding so if we all get together and we do protect american families and i'm totally speaking off the cuff right now it's coming to me and we you know take away that 40 that we win that bid of 40 million that they get imagine what the heck we'd be doing Mm -hmm. in every local chapter in the in every state true red chief said uh keep going great shows thank you red chief appreciate that god is very god is very happy with you megan and gino thanks thank you red chief we appreciate that thank you for the comments thank you for the nice words but you know what it's i do feel like we're called to do this and i i I think everybody should be called to protect children i just feel like that's that's everybody's business that's not just one or two people it's not a calling it's not a calling yeah Yeah. it's a calling we are to we are called to protect fundamentally it is our duty in this country it's it is the first and foremost duty is to protect the vulnerable and those that cannot speak for themselves and we are failing them miserably between children and families and also veterans and and the elderly yeah Um, by the way by the way that's the government's duty too is to protect its citizens that's its number one job absolutely the government's duty that's Mm -hmm. but it's our duty i'm saying that our duty is that when the government is not doing that's right that we handle that. Yes, yep. absolutely. That's, that's why we're here is because the government isn't doing that. That's but right. it is our duty where people want to turn a blind eye or they want to say, I need my job or I have a family and everything. But that's actually what keeps it going because then people can be ostracized or they can be retail. You know, then that's when things can happen. When we are out front with the truth, I always say, right, in my merch store, I have the T-shirt. I got to bring that back, by the way. But in my merch store, I've got the T-shirt that, you know, truth and and um, grace for justice and peace. You know, that's that's really what we need to do. And, and it's really that nice. We don't have to be so vulgar. We're being, we need to ground it. 
find grace, know it's our duty. We're not fighting even, you know me, Gina, we're taking mm -hmm. a stand. We're not fighting any, I'm not fighting anybody. Nope. I'm taking a stand. I've had to fight terrorists for two years <laughs> to protect my babies and my unborn child. Never violent though. You've never been violent. I'm sorry. No, nope. The violence came from their side, never from you. Yeah, yeah. And it's happening all over this country. Women and mm -hmm. children and their children are literally being hunted uh, in this country, and people don't want to realize that. So, Tanya, I I agree to a point. She said, "I uh, it would change everything." Talking about if you had money, money definitely helps. We're not going to lie. That would that would maybe speed things up. But when you have God on your side, we're just like Megan said, we're going to win no matter what. We don't need, don't need their money. fiat currency to do what we, we're going to do. Need we need to stand skills. up. Yeah, we no, need to stand up. Skills. Everyone has skills. Everyone has networks of people that are good or bad. You know, I, and I don't mean to like adamantly, you know, mm -hmm. go against someone's comment, but like, you're right. We, but we don't need money for this. That's the thing that they want us to think it's what they need. That's projection. That's abuse to you. You should be mad about that. Your government's abusing you. It is not that we need money. It's that, and it's not that it takes a village. It's that it takes a community supporting and knowing the sacred and, and vitality and need for the nuclear family, for maintaining kids in their homes, in their biological homes, because that's a whole other show. And that's what I talk about every day. Everyone can go to my Twitter. Everyone can go to other podcasts. That's, you know, we're getting into other stuff tonight, but I thank everyone. But it's not money. It's about the fact that we all have hardships. How can we offer stuff and empathy and understanding and support to others that may be going through the same similar hardships? It's how do we take our skills and our talents and then we offer them to good causes or within our community? It's, you know, it, there are many, many ways that circumvent this greed uh, or, or this. No, it's another script, the need of money. That is an establishment script, honestly. And that's that's why they win, because that's we know that they, they take that away from us. And we've been programmed that that's what we need. Like we have the we have the numbers. We have the moral high ground. We have God. There's no way they win. So I'm, I don't care about any of that stuff. It's just it just us using that thing we have with teeth in it and opening it up and letting things come out against the evil. And that's what we have to do. More people have to be bold and stand up and say, no, 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 you're wrong. Like all the stuff they're trying to do with so transgenderism cool. and all their narratives. It's no, just, it's, it's all, be so cool. Gino, it's I to silence faith. us. Me too. I have faith in the Lord and you know what? It's going to be so cool when people finally start all coming together and, and it's starting, but we need it. You guys all need to get out in your community. This is all about local. I mean, I know that a lot of people are sitting around waiting for figures to solve things or thinking that it's bigger than them even and different things, but this is literally so exciting because this is actually the biggest issue and it's the one issue. Mm -hmm. I mean, there's many, but you know, this is the huge, we can actually do something about is my point. And the distraction is that there's this international trafficking and you know, the border and all this kind of stuff. I don't pay attention to the border because I know what the border is. Mm -hmm. And I pay attention to the domestic child trafficking issue here in America, because as I've said many times, I know that the border is only happening because they know that we have a well-oiled machine of child trafficking here yeah, in America. A, so that is a, just a, it's a, feeder. That's an, that's a tentacle. Like if we, I'm about root. 
if we end CPS, we address these family courts, which is addressing the, the racket that is, you know, the GALs, the judges, the attorneys, the social workers, it goes on and on that make up the system. You know, that is the racket. They all work together. They work in conjunction. They go to lunch uh, when they've just been opposing each other, you know, to take your child or to keep your child. They make backdoor deals. So it looks like they're defending you in court, but then they're not really because they know what the prosecution has to get on the record to take your child. Um, you go to a case plan for a year and a half begging for your child back while you're destroyed and your life is taken. You can't work because of the requirements, you can't do anything. And then by the end, from the beginning, they, they plan to take your child anyways. Um, and, and that's you being trafficked, by the way. These people, it's not just the children being trafficked in the system, but the parents are being trafficked. Every time money is collected on a service, you know, that is trafficking. I don't think that when we're offering community services and all this kind of stuff that people should be getting incentives and, and, and be getting paid, to be no. honest. I'll pay, I'll pay all day long when you show me thriving biological families that you help through hardship you support them to get a car you help them get through substance abuse you know that leads into adoption all these people adopting because they can't get a freaking kid of their own did you help that family as much as you could and support that family to keep that child before you bought it before you took it through adoption because that's really, if you cared about children, that's what you'd be doing. You know that not having a child break or not having a family breaks a child. And that's what a lot of, you know, if people look up the hashtag adoptee on TikTok and different things, you know, our, our besties and the love of our lives rescue the fosters every on Thursday nights on Insight. But, re, you know, Sylvia Beachy, KK, you know, adoptee is a big thing. And, and we're also looking at, masses amount of people coming out and realizing especially once this is outed that they were adopted and that uh you know they were lied to in certain ways we have a lot of people coming out talking about i was adopted out from my parents but i was horribly abused my entire life mm -hmm. so this is not the solution it's an inverted thing and and that's why we look at adam because the National Center has not only covered missing and exploited, they now have the Adam Walsh, you know, forms and requirements for every interstate, out-of-state, and international adoption. What does that have to do with anything? They have their tentacles in other areas of, of child issues that really create a monopoly and an authority. And when we see the way that they're revered in this country, they're not questioned. They work with every agency of government. They are a government agency uh, fronting as a nonprofit. And we need to we need to be looking at these two these two big entities of CPS and the National Center in our country when it comes to our the protection of our children and families and, and maintaining and, and showing thriving families. There's better ways. You know there I'll is. say it. Go ahead. Red Red Chief said, uh, when will you be diving deep into John's connections with the sheriff and the in that department? Yeah. We'll get there. We'll in in Hollywood there. or here in Indian yeah. River? Which one? I think yeah, both. Yeah. Yeah, we'll get into both for sure. He I doesn't want that. to miss awesome. does, he yeah. doesn't want to miss that episode. But we, yeah, no, thanks, that's... and thanks for the direction. We'll go yeah. that way. We've been asking people what they want to hear about because yeah. it's huge, you guys. I mean, there's like we could talk all night long. You see, we're like we're doing an hour. Oh, 
never. So, you know, there's it never tons. happens. <laughs> and, and I don't, you know, we, we, I like this. I love that we can talk and, and mm-hmm. we can have, you know, people really joining in and I, I really want to shift, you know, we, we have this perception of what media is. We have this perception of what the credible sources are and everything and the style that that looks at. Like, I mean, I've grown up in it my entire life. It's media. It's called media. It's mm-hmm. called news. Um, it's production. It's for ratings. They're all competing for your viewing. So my point here is that, you know, I really appreciate this um, when we can sit and talk like this and really be kind of um, moving into a new way for people to receive information, be able to feel like they can interact and, and actually interact and have input. Um, and I love that. So that's direction. That's what we've been asking y'all for. Mm-hmm. for did we say it last week? What do you want to know? So thank you. No, thank you. And thank you, Tanya. She said, Megan's videos are the only ones I can watch live. Really appreciate you guys coming on this time. Please don't change it. I think Tanya's in, if I remember correctly, is it Australia, Tanya? I think you're somewhere over there. Buffering. That's awesome. We have a huge support from Australia and the UK, which is ironic because these are the two other countries that have the biggest... uh, issues with with exactly what we're talking about here Mm -hmm. and that also is from influence from the international center for missing exploited children so yeah i love that we got other people coming forward from around the world for sure okay well i think we're going to wrap it up there thank you guys so much for your comments thank you on rumble insight lots of lurkers thank you we appreciate you thanks for watching um yeah you're always welcome to leave comments after the video in the comment section here on rumble and uh, I do get uh, notifications, so if you put something in there, I will see it. And then if you have show ideas or you got questions, you can place them there, and we will definitely get to it. So we appreciate you. Megan, awesome. You did just, you gave so much information tonight. It was I'm going to have to listen to this again. Oh, by the way, speaking of listening to it again, we are now on Spotify, Pandora, iHeartRadio, and uh, what's the other, Apple Podcasts. So if you just like the audio version of it, and you're driving around and you want to hear it again or haven't heard it yet, you can go there and listen to that. I'm trying to upload them quickly. I'm not going to get all of the past shows that I've done with not only with uh, Megan, but my other, you know, Rescue the Fosters, my Insight Show, The Blender. Some of those are up there. I've kind of been picking and choosing which ones I've uploaded. But from now on, I think all of the you shows will be up. You know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I don't, for, See, for I here. Them, I stick up <laughs> yeah. for us, guys. You I do, stick you up do. <laughs> there, but, you know, there's we have 60, gosh, we have I think we have 65 no, episodes of Rescue the Fosters now. The Blender's got like 65 or 70 shows up there. Oh, so, like, I can't so upload cool. them all to, to the podcast format. So if you guys want to uh, join it, those from now on, I think, will all be on those platforms. But past shows, you'll have to go to Rumble or Foxhole to watch those if, if you so choose to but thank you again we appreciate you megan where can people find you and if they want to donate i know we got to change that paypal that's still wrong on the bottom yeah the paypal's wrong it's Mm -hmm. okay um so yeah no i want to thank everyone and i want to say yes please go find us um and also share that out please if whatever choice platform you use 
um, and just be talking about it. Just find a way in your, you know, you know, your circle of friends, you know, your community, um, you know, even if people are adverse to it, just say, well, yeah, I mean, I thought that too. And, you know, were you aware of this or that? I mean, this is where we need to be moving is educating yourself on the statistics, educating yourself on the base realities um, of it and not keeping it so up in the clouds and like this, oh my God, is this real? What do we do with this? Is, is this a thing? You know, all this stuff. No, it's real. It's very simple and straightforward. These people are not that creative. So start, let's start coming together and, and learning what's going on. And, and then we can talk about it in our communities and spread the word. Um, people can find me, of course, on Twitter is I'm trying to just keep it the main place. I, I don't want to get all watered down everywhere and, and do all this on, on all the platforms as far as finding me and my information. Um, that is at Twitter. So that is Megan Walsh underscore Megan with an H. They're loving to put out these random Meghan Markle uh, articles lately. Like her shoe was off the other day whenever we have a big release uh you know spelled the same way and it's very interesting to watch how x and media cover uh up real truth stories um with celebrity stories so i will say that megan has been trending my spelling m-e-g-h-a-n because of myself and megan markle uh, you know, for the past, what, days or so. But we have had, I've had over 2 million uh, mm -hmm. views. Um, I think we're almost at 3 million in the last seven days on Twitter. So please everyone go over there. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm very grateful for that. You can see it below, Megan Walsh underscore. PayPal is actually family, farm, and faith. It was the farm I was building before. So it's family, farm, and spelled out, A-N-D, faith at gmail.com. Uh, and then the cash app is M Walsh Consulting with the, um, the signature dollar sign before. So um, if you feel so inclined, this is how... Uh, I survive. This is how I keep working. Um, and then at the end of this month, we're very excited. Actually, the Secretary of State just approved a couple days ago, Protect American Families. We are doing all the IRS and all the crazy paperwork for the system. I hate to say it right now, but we are uh, declared a nonprofit. And so we will be switching all of that over to eventually... Um, you know, supporting that. But for right now, we're supporting my efforts and uh, the work that I do because unfortunately that is what they attack is your livelihood and your resources. So um, any prayers are invaluable. Uh, we thank you uh, endlessly for those. And I know so many people are. My, my supporters and followers are such a loyal, amazing, mm. um, and genuine, a uh, group of, of, of people and, and population as well as survivors and, and victims and whatever we're calling it these days with their own stories coming forward and own testimonies. So it really is a cool space to be involved in, I feel. I'm, I actually am proud of that. Um, and then, uh, you know, again, moving forward with Protect American Families, we need you guys and, and we want you to reach out and uh you know also let us know what area you feel like resonates with you and you know if you'd like to start a local chapter if you feel hey i'm i'm in this career or that career that could really help people out or i 
do this or that for a living. Um, you know, everything is going to help. We're going to need everything and I'm ready. I'm done with this. I will keep, you know, we're doing this show. I'm not saying I'm about to let the show, mm -hmm. but I'm done with, you know, this being right. this up in the air issue. You know, this is now established. We know what this is. It's a matter of time. And we need to have the uh, the resources and, and the response to it. So um, I thank everyone tonight for joining. Um, and, and Gino, thank you always for being such an amazing and gracious, not only co-host, but brother in Christ and, and one of my best friends. So um, we're really pushing forward. And, uh, and we really appreciate everyone for being here for this grassroots effort. Uh, and it, we need you all. So please start coming forward. Please start reaching out to us. And, and I just thank you for joining genuinely. Yeah. Well, thank you, Megan. And thanks for the kind words. I appreciate that. I did forget to mention that if you are on those podcasts, iHeart, Spotify, Pandora, or um, Apple Podcasts, it's Insight, I-N-S-I-T-E. You can just put that in the search bar and it'll pop up. And then all the shows are listed right there. I, I, double check them. I don't know. It's, I have a program that uploads to all the platforms. So hopefully it's uploading correctly. I think I checked earlier and they, it looked like there was one maybe on Apple iTunes or Apple uh, podcast. It takes a little longer than the other platforms, but other than that, I think if, everything should if work. There's a, so, if there's yeah. a problem, let us know. We let me know. Right? Let we're me all know. in this together. So yep. let us know if there's an issue, you know, we're all, we're all doing this. So Gino, you're amazing. Thank you so much. Everyone, Same to you. Same to you. Tonight, and we'll see you next week. We'll, yep. we'll have some. Let us know in the comments, guys, what you want to know about. We would great on the sheriff stuff. We'll definitely mm -hmm. cover that because there's definitely. There's a lot a to talk about that. Parallel. We're so, I think, Gino, before we go, we're starting to see that this might be a very parallel history repeats itself scenario. Mm -hmm. Not exact. You know, obviously the details and name, you know, the names change and the dates change, but. It's getting weird. So, uh, I think a, I think like a timeline, like graph type thing, like parallel lines showing your yeah. story and Adams would be amazing to see, like visually, so people see that it's really it's symbiotic. It's it's really <laughs> really strange, but uh, I, we know it's intentional. There, there's an intentionality to these people because they're ritualistic. That's the thing, and when you understand well, the demonic so side of it, yeah, when you understand yeah. the ritualistic purposes and why they do things the way they do patterns are symbols i mean we all know this like I mean, so it's not surprising know, it's not and i'm going to say something because i spent 20 plus years as a religious scholar i lived in india i was a high practicing kundalini you know practitioner and all that just repeat myself but you know i was i was in it for over 20 years i ended up being you know certified to train uh towards the last bit and i actually had my son on the night that i was supposed to go through the initiation so god really does save you from things um but i will say that you know we've gone through all this stuff and i really just want us to get down to the the good heartedness of it because there is so much magic and all the manipulation and all the crap that they put out for us to be so distracted so for us to be able to just simplify and realize that it is doable and it's because we are all talking here and we're you know doing what's what's right and what's needed amen all right on that note god bless you have a blessed evening uh if you 
care to watch the blender tomorrow night me and michael will be on 9 p.m eastern standard time here in the good old us of a and uh that's always oh, a fun they show got good dad jokes y'all no dad, dad no dad jokes to tomorrow we do it because if we did them every week megan they're they're horrible enough as it is and they're so cheesy <laughs> If you did it every week, it would just like ruin it. <laughs> We're even worse than it already is. So no dad jokes tomorrow, but the following week they return. Oh, man. Okay, and you know what's well, funny? Now, this is how stupid it's gotten. Now people are sending me dad jokes. <laughs> like, I'm just like, a, it was supposed to be this dumb thing. And then all of a sudden now everybody's like, oh, yeah, here's some. I got a whole bunch. People love your dad jokes. So <laughs> okay. Well, it is. might have to start every week. But all right. Maybe it will. People are sending them. But anyways, go watch The Blender. Yep. Go watch Rescue the Fosters. Thank you, everyone, for that hung in with us and, and joined tonight. And please don't miss next week. Please talk about us. Please share it. And God bless you all. We got great stuff night. to do. Take care. <laughs>